Mr. Breen, you arrived in Korea in 1982. And I've asked other people in the past about what did Korea smell like in the past? What was the food mm. like? What was the weather like? But what I want to ask you about uh, to start with this is I've never lived in a non-democratic country. I've, I've you know, mm. this is my privilege, I guess, but I grew up in the south of England and then in the suburbs of Melbourne, Australia. But I've never inhabited a place where it was not a democracy. And at that time, I guess mm. we would call South Korea not a democracy. I'm not sure, but that's where I want to try to start with this. Is there anything that we need to know? Did it feel like inhabiting a, a non-democracy or are they just these ideological terms and on the ground level, they don't really mean anything? Mm. Well, uh, it's interesting that you put it like that. I mean, it's a bit of both mm. in a way, like most things. Um, in that um, what I'm sure if you ask people this question, people who were here in the 50s and the 60s, 70s, 80s, the uh, thing that will change will be the economics and social conditions. Mm. You said at the beginning the smell of the country. Well, you probably heard real old timers say that Korea used to have this smell Which of smell? the night soil because they used to put human waste Mm. On the, and uh, you know, on the soil, mm. not in the cities, of course, but you know, and that this smell, once you got out of Seoul, became pervasive. Although, I suspect that's got exaggerated a bit in the telling. The other smell from the old time. So I, I'm putting myself in a position of asking somebody who was yeah. here 40 years before me. Yeah. Um, and the other smell was the yontan, the the. Um, what do you call it? Charcoal briquette. Charcoal, yeah, yeah, the briquette smell and that sort of thing. So, uh, but by the time I came, it's it seems, you know, if if the economic development began sort of in the early to mid sixties, mm. so we assume that before that, we're dealing with a largely agricultural, rural type country, mm. and and probably a bit rough at the edges in the city. Um, then 1982 seems pretty close to that, but actually it was more like it is today. Wow. At least for me, because wh I was living in, I don't know if you know the, the Jamshil apartments, the, the Odanji, which is the, um, they, still, they still exist. Oh, wow. Uh, so I was living there, Coming on the subway, mm. line number two, which had been open for a year or two, which still exists. How many subway lines were there? Uh, roughly? Roughly. There was one, two, and three and four, I think, were under construction then. That's quite there, a lot. there were these big metal plates in mm. the road right downtown for number four, uh, three and four, I guess. Um, so, um, you know, and coming into Seoul... You know, a lot of the buildings have changed, but was not unrecognizable. Mm. And so, but to the question of democracy, this is interesting. You know, I, I was a journalist when I was here. So uh, as a journalist, you, you're dealing mostly with political type stuff because you're yeah. covering the whole country for, I wrote for an American paper at first. So for an American audience, covering- Wall Street Journal? Uh, Washington Times. Washington Times, yeah. sorry. And, um, you know, no one's interested in, well, there wasn't K-pop or K-beauty or anything. No, no one's really interested in, in that, although the, the annual 
feature story you could yeah. write that would yeah. probably get more interest than all the political stories would be kimchi making. That that seemed to mm. get to the audience. Okay. So most of us, the small band of foreign correspondents, an actual, you know, most foreign correspondents are Korean. Mm. Actual foreigners are about half a dozen of us. That was it. So uh, nobody spoke Korean. Um, and one person did. I tell a lie. Um, and so for us, we were mainly engaged, mainly looking at politics and stuff. And the big story, the ongoing thing mm. was... Um, we didn't call it that then, but it was democratize. It was sort of it was student demos mm. because these were a symptom of um, the lack of democracy. Mm -hmm. um, there was other stories like the Olympic Games. You know, Olympic Games were coming up in '88, so even from '82, um, everything was sort of focused towards the Olympics. But then. The moment we say democracy came was in uh, June 29th, 1987. But it was a tweak mm. of the Constitution. Mm. So you could get up that morning, miss the news, carry about your normal day, and someone says, oh, well, you know, democracy's all right. Oh, is it? <laughs> you know, it's not like it's some thunderous uh, thing. Mm. Um, it was a tweak, um, and... Uh, but... Um, I say that the way I saw this as a reporter mm. was because it was politic. Well, no, what am I trying to say here? If 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 you were a, a Korean in, engaged in your life and that didn't really involve politics, mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't sort of be turning around saying, "Oh, my country's a dictatorship." You wouldn't experience it like that necessarily. Mm. In fact, um, just to add to the. Uh, this sort of long drawn out response uh, make it more confusing is Korea refer perceived itself as a liberal democracy in the the eighties period. Yeah, well, in I think from Syngman Rhee, actually it was more democratic under Syngman Rhee. Mm. Even when the military dictatorships came in, so from sixty one until eighty seven, mm. there was military two military dictatorships. Um, they referred to themselves as liberal democracies. So, uh, but they knew they weren't. But so, but they weren't sort of lying. It was a, it was mm. an aspiration, mm. and uh, also a desire to follow in the American footsteps and also please the Americans. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think I think the wisdom was, yeah, we're. we're a democracy, or we want democracy, but we're not really ready for it yet. Mm. That was how the dictatorship viewed it because of North Korea. So, um, so, uh, and as I say, that uh, so all, all that sort of all this liveliness of Korea that you see now mm. on the street, it was different then because the economic level was different and people thought in a different way, but basically that was still there. Whereas if you go up to North Korea mm. in the street, mm. everybody's quiet yeah. because they don't want anyone to listen to what they're talking about. They're careful about how they talk. So that sort of dictatorship is a different type of dictatorship. South Korea was never quite like that. Um, however, if you stepped in for a Korean, if you stepped into the um, North Korea arena, 
Mm. You had an opinion on North Korea, then you had to be careful. That that's where dictatorial um, behavior really justified itself and manifested and justified itself. Mm. You know, so anyone who's suspected of being a North Korean spy mm. um, would get quite brutally treated. I mean, not that that was publicized, but you find out later. Mm. And the people doing the brutal treatment um, thought they were doing the patriotic thing. You know, it was justified. So, but then, as I say, when, when democracy came, the particular tweak was that um, the dictator, Chunduan, everyone thought he wouldn't step down, mm. but he, he, it was obviously he was going to. And on June the 10th of that year, 87, mm. The ruling party uh, formally anointed, there was a big ceremony at the Jamshul um, Gymnasium, I think it was. Mm. Um, Noteu, who was his sort of closest friend mm. and fellow military coup maker, former general, to be their party's candidate for the election. And so it was at that point that Koreans, uh, I say Koreans in general, I mean, most of the people, mm. uh, thought um, they forgot that the, the the big gripe was that he's never going to step down. They kind of quickly accepted that. But yeah. now we know who our next dictator is, you know. And so that's when the protests erupted. Um, the uh, You'll find student protesters from that time and politicians who were young then mm. uh, take credit for it, but actually... The, um, the 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 opposition political opposition were a spent force by then. Mm -hmm. The students were useless, frankly. They, I I don't believe they contributed much towards democratization. That's an unpopular opinion, but they were too far on the left, mm -hmm. and they were just tolerated and kind of ignored by the older generation because they because rattling the dictatorship cage was useful. What happened was um, a, an association of religious and social leaders called for protests. Mm -hmm. Who exactly these people were, they never really stepped forward and um, identified themselves and took credit for it. Right. So the, the, the usual students came out to protest. They jumped on this. Mm. But then ordinary people came out. Mm. That was a big difference. Yeah. And when the government realized it was a middle-class revolution, then they gave in. So it lasted for three weeks. Uh, uh, and by the way, what the protesters wanted was uh, Korea at that time had an American-style um, electoral college system. You know mm -hmm. the systems where when you in America, when you vote in the presidential election, you're mm. not actually voting for the president. You're voting, you're, or well, let me put it this way. There are electors from your state go mm. to an electoral college. Yeah. And in theory, they can change the result. In practice, they don't. Mm -hmm. But in theory, they could. Korea had a similar system. There were 5,000 electors mm. who not only in theory could change the result, would have. That's mm. what everybody felt. It was just not trusted. Right. So all the protests were for uh, a direct election as opposed to this indirect method. And on June the 29th, it was agreed. And so the election then mm. was Korea's first democratic election. And guess who won? 
No Teu. <laughs> well, you know, that's, <laughs> but that's another story. But uh, he, he seemed to win fair and square, though. There wasn't too much talk of um, it well, being, from what I understand. Sorry. Well, there was there was a claim, quite widely believed, that there was some kind of fraud uh, took place, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, I'm sure there was on the fringes there was something, but it never stood up. The yeah. real the real explanation people i think accepted was that the opposition split the vote yeah three of them ran particularly the two kim dae-jung kim young-sam mm. could not uh, i think each felt that if they had deferred to the other mm. would that have been the end of them yeah so they would rather risk um the dictator winning mm. so th- this is why you find a lot of people do not accept that No Tae-yu was the first democratic elected president because he had been a soldier and all of that. They think Kim Jong-sam was. Yeah. And some people don't even accept him because he went over to the ruling party in order to win. Yeah. So, you know, anyway. I've got so many questions. Um, I want to come to those religious leaders you mentioned, but before that, was there much support for the Chun dictatorship presidency so you said that you know not everybody was thinking about politics some people Mm. were just going about their lives and you mentioned that perhaps korea viewed itself as a liberal democracy or at least with aspirations to perhaps relative to the north were there people that you met in korea at that time that were like well it's doing all right We're, we're not too bad we don't hate the government was there any support for it because it's easy to look back in hindsight and say oh everyone was opposed to it but Mm. was there any well everyone was not opposed to it um, I, I, I think there's a distinct, there's a difference between uh, Park Chung-hee and Chun Doo-wan. I mm-hmm. think for Park Chung-hee, there was genuine uh, affection and support yeah. because he, he, he was a revolutionary. I mean, yeah. he transformed this country, uh, no question. And <coughs> uh, <coughs> I mean, even people who suffered under him, uh, like Kim Dae-jung, came to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You know. Chun uh arrived, um, it was like a mistake. It was like, it was, it, it just felt unnecessary. Mm. So people tolerated it. <clears throat> Why? Because, don't forget, 5,000 years of dictatorship, in a sense. I mean, mm. in other words, no history of democracy to speak of. So, um, the, the people who gave their lives up to work with the opposition and be, you know, fight for democracy mm. were considered and sometimes even considered themselves to be sort of losers. Mm. You know, what is the point? Yeah. Um, and so, but <clears throat> around 1986, I think it was, I think it was 1986, there was... What, what happened was when Chun Doo-wan came in in 1980, uh, politicians were all put on a blacklist. Mm-hmm. Then over a period, um, people were removed from the blacklist. And then by 1986, um, there was you know, National Assembly elections, which the opposition were, a, they had an oppos- a fake opposition. Mm-hmm. They used to call them opposition by day, ruling party by night, or the other way around, I forget. It's quite nice, though. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> who were, 
sort of ruling party people in an opposition. Uh, anyway, they weren't mm -hmm. really, uh, f they were there to give the appearance of opposition, but they weren't really uh, opposition. But then the real opposition uh, was allowed to run for that election and did very well in a very short time. Mm. That started to change the atmosphere. Um, and I noticed then the people who I thought were just sort of pro-government or, you know, because I'm a foreigner right. and because I'm a journalist, you forget, a journalist forgets. They, a journalist thinks they're an ordinary person. They're not. It's like when someone talks to you, it's like they're talking into a microphone yeah. that everybody can hear. You yeah. Um, did you have one of those bands on that I sometimes yeah. see? Did you? Yeah. Really? What, what yeah. did it say? It's Kija, Weishin Kija. Okay. With, wow. uh, yeah. We had a big issue about that as well because uh, we uh, found uh, what we found was in some of these demos, mm. we saw people with cameras with these things. I thought, who's, who's, who's that? I don't know. It was actually the photographers reported it to us. That mm. We think there's uh, government agents using foreign press. So we, um, I, I was the president of the Foreign Press Club at that time. Okay. So we took a delegation along to the government complain about this mm. and also to let them know that we were making our own armbands that had S SFCC, Seoul Foreign Correspondents Club, with the member's number. Mm. And we gave them out to the members and said, under no circumstances can you give this to somebody else. Okay. You know, otherwise you lose it. That's it. You know, so we were also a bit strict. And we had this, four of us went over and had this meeting with a government assistant minister. Mm. And he let rip at us like this was the the biggest screaming match I've ever been in, in my life. I mean, it was really unpleasant. And in the mm. end, he um, gave us a few four lettered words in English and we left. And that was June the 9th. The next day was the day when Notayu was anointed. This mm -hmm. is 87. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we all turned up, covered that story. And then that night when all the riots were on, we all had these things wow so that made it difficult for so that that was that was quite serious because we had we had cases of uh asian photographers mm -hmm. so either japanese or korean in the foreign press yeah. being assaulted by students who thought they were cops, government plants government or something yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. so we kind of cleaned that problem up just in time for the big protest mm -hmm. Uh, I forgot how we got onto that now. Um, I love your memory of all this, by the way. The <laughs> dates. <laughs> and, uh, well, those, those are big dates. Yeah, yeah, the, normally, my memory is shocking. The, they are. Was <clears> it? <throat> you just mentioned the the possibility of um, Asian photographers or something being assaulted. Mm. Now we've we we both been here for the 2016 protests mm. and impeachments. Mm. If we look at those, do we get a sense of those 1987? Do we get a sense of that movement, or is it so fundamentally different you can't compare no, it? No. Was there a sense of violence? How yeah. does it? It's it's it's. Um, how can I say? Um, there was a. Uh, they're completely different because. <clears throat> um, I, I I hesitate because I hesitate to call these protests violent. They they were, violent protests, but the the violence was either symbolic or specific mm -hmm. um, okay. in other words there weren't no shop windows smashed mm. in fact i remember seeing in some of these demos 
if an ambulance was coming through, people, the students would just sort of, I mean, these are students, by the way. The, these are these are sort of the young elite. Mm -hmm. I mean, they weren't necessarily wealthy people. Mm -hmm. They weren't wealthy, but they were people who were doing what they were doing. And I'm, I'm talking about the student protests here rather mm -hmm. than the, the bigger one is where everyone joined in. Yeah. But the student ones, um, they they were doing sacrificing themselves jeopardizing their own future for the sake of the country so mm. they were kind of well motivated they were not smashing windows they were not turning over cars they weren't setting fire to things mm. even there when they got into molotov cocktails they used um now i forget what it is that there's one where you use i think like petrol another mm -hmm. where you use kerosene okay now there's one of them when you throw it and it lands it just goes, <laughs> and then it's out. Right. They use that for so the other one. Safer. Is, it's much yeah. safer. Yeah. There's a famous photograph of a. It's. I laugh because it, it's. It didn't look funny, but there was a famous photo that made the front pages around the world of mm. a protest outside Congo uh, University in Seoul, mm. and there was, in the background, some riot police, and uh, there was a, a lady with a handbag, literally walking along like this. Enveloped in flame, and it was. It was now. You imagine. <clears throat> by the way, when I used to go home to England, oh. people treated me as if I'd come from a war zone, mm. and it was because of stuff like this. Mm. Um, but if you were there, that thing went. <clears throat> she didn't miss a beat, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, or maybe it sort of went like this or something. Yeah. So. Um, and it was probably more dangerous going down the East End or something when well, a Chelsea match is on or something. Well, no, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Because yeah. it's random, you see. Yeah. Um, there was no violence against foreigners. Um, you know, in fact, I I'd had the experience of, I, I can remember one once now in front of the press center um, where there were these sort of bollards about, you know, two feet off the ground. And mm. there was a student saw me coming along, a foreigner. Mm. Um, jumps up and starts uh, shout, shouting some anti-American slogan, Yeah, you know. And I'm thinking, well, I was familiar enough with Korea then to know. But, you know, uh, somebody, an outsider might think, my God, is he going to whip a knife out and kill him or something? Right. Kill me. Or right. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he jumps down and he just sort of goes <laughs> like this and then moves on. So there's a, it, it's the same you see here with the anti-Japanese protest. There, there's performative? A certain, there's, there's a performative side, which doesn't mean they're not serious. It's a way of expression, yeah. knowing yeah. that if they start smashing shop windows and burning cars, not only will the government crack down, they'll be slung in jail, but mm. the people will be happy about that. Mm. You know, so they're not going to get any support from anybody. Uh, so, uh, however, the the effect of seeing what, what they having said that the the violence was uh, sort of performative in a sense, it was still intense, mm. and it was be between police and students. So the police would be firing off uh, tear gas mm -hmm. from sort of rifles, you know. Shooting them off, which has a distinct smell. I've read. I've read reports about the tear gas in tear gas summer and very strong. Yeah, very strong. Um, you, I could tell. I had an office in the Seoul Press Center, which is downtown. Mm. Um, and if there was a demo at Yonsei, which was I don't know what three miles away or something, mm. um, and the wind was coming this way, I could sort of oh, there's a demo at Yonsei. Wow. You know, 
And so, and it was, they used, the Korean police used very, very strong tear gas. This was stuff that, it's like, if you want to know what it's like, it's like if you blow pepper mm -hmm. into your face, um, it's, it's kind of like that. And what you mustn't do is blink your eyes, which is exactly what you want to do. Mm -hmm. you, you sort of let the tears right out. Uh -huh. And what the students did was they put toothpaste under here, that sort of helps clear it and up their nostrils and things. Right. There's other things you can do. Can you tell but, me a little bit, sorry to interrupt, but just about the police, because sometimes mm. if you go down to Gwangamun today and there's a protest, mm. a lot of the enforcement there seem like very young lads, yeah. perhaps doing military service or yeah. something. They don't seem intimidating, no disrespect yeah. to them, but they, they seem kind of young and yeah. they're just standing there. When you talk about the police, I can sort of visualize the students, but what are the police like at this time? They... Um, the the police okay i'll i'll answer that and continue mm. describing mm. and then we'll get to how it's different from the recent one yeah, yeah, yeah. um the the police um there were two 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 types the uh, and a lot of them were as they are now a lot of them were oh are they now young men doing military service seems to, it seems to be a yeah. lot like that when i see them yeah. yeah um and you know you hear stories of uh policeman doing his military service his brothers on the other side mm -hmm. chucking stuff at him yeah you know? and so you get these guys these are the ones that they call uh, the Darth Vader uh, they, they have all the gear on mm -hmm. and by the way these South Korean riot police were really good at their job because they didn't intend they, they were crowd control and they didn't intend to hurt people they didn't intend to catch people necessarily. Mm. Uh, what they would do if there's a big protest, say, in City Hall, mm. is they would block areas off, but then leave an escape route. That's so they could, And then fire off the tear gas and disperse it. Mm. So they were actually um, very disciplined. Mm -hmm. But there was another uh, side to them. Uh, the, these were more regular police and... Uh, often they'd be they wouldn't be in uniform. Is this chong chong? Uh, Double denim chaps. Uh, oh no, sorry, gone. Well, chaps, they called them, uh, but uh, I forget what they used to wear. Now, they would be. They weren't just sort of totally incognito. They had mm. some sort of similar clothes on mm -hmm. handed out to them, but they weren't uniforms. And uh, initially, they actually went onto campuses, and their job was to grab people. Right. They would identify the leaders. And I think they started to realize that the people at the front throwing things at them uh, were being led. The leaders were at the back. Yeah. Like generals. Yeah. And they're so, or maybe not. I don't know. But or uh, I don't exactly know what, who, how they targeted their victims. But mm. they might find if someone they just took a dislike to, they sort of went for him. Yeah. And then there was a rule they couldn't go onto campus. <clears throat> okay. but, so those police uh, were there, and then the. How, however, the police um, at the time had a rather um, a reputation for unpleasantness, mm. and uh, it was not. Until, in fact, I had I had a, a, a friend or an acquaintance, I should say. I, I my, the Korean inside me hesitates because he was older than me. Yeah, uh, but you know what I mean. Yes, um, who had. It's a long story which I won't go into, but he had basically been to 
a f the year before I met him. Mm. He'd been to a fortune teller mm. for some reason. Uh, they do like fortune does, tellers here. Still, yeah, yeah. For a, bi a business reason. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> a fortune teller he'd been to before, and he knew a relative of this fortune teller. He thought not there was nobody there. He walked around the sides, no one there, so he mm. left. Mm. That night he gets picked up by the police. Uh, there are three bodies in that house, in the house. The fortune teller and two relatives have been murdered. Wow! And he, the police knew he'd been there because he had called a cousin and said, "Oh, she's not there. Do you know where she? You know? Yeah, I've been there, but so she must have told the police." Oh wow! And he was held in a hotel room, naked for about twelve days, thrashed, uh, and he said. I was getting to the point where I would have confessed to anything yeah. just to get off. And then he was suddenly let go. And it turned out that the cousin, who was a woman, yeah. she got the same treatment. And her thing became a case. So it sort of stopped. So in other mm. words, until like the mid-80s, that was normal. You get a suspect for something, you soften mm. them up. Mm. You know. So the police, the, the professional police, if you like, had that reputation. Mm. Um, but anyway, back to the demos, what happens? So the students are throwing, uh, they, they break up paving stones and they throw stones and things. So you can get hurt by one of these yeah. things. Um, and Molotov cocktails. The riot police have shields f fending things off and mm. are firing tear gas. Mm. And any real injuries and things like that are accidents. You know? Although I remember once seeing at Myeongdong Cathedral, seeing riot police leveling the tear gas horizontally at the student. Oh, so this way is uh, meant to it's just be supposed more to go like that flip, and, yeah. and it sort of drops. It's not meant to hit anybody. Uh -huh. um, and uh, but somebody must have got frustrated or something because mm. I think that wasn't in the rule book. Um, that was so, E. Hanyol uh, 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 well, as well, the Yonsei student. He that was, that was a, yeah, that was a different case. But that that's what happened to him. Yeah. he got hit by one. Uh -huh. um, so, um, and anyway, so those those protests, um, and then the 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 nineteen eighty seven protests that the middle class joined, if you like. Mm -hmm. What tended to happen? There'd be big sort of protests, and then when they would. The sort of the bankers would go home or something. Then mm. the hardcore, the students, would then start fighting with the police mm. like that. That's okay. sort of how it went. And there was, I forget when it was. It was relatively recently, um, but by the time of the 2016 protest, mm -hmm. the the, le the the protests now come from the political left. Yeah. More. Uh, the left. Uh, changed its game and realized that, that violence uh, isn't winning them any friends. Mm. Um, so the the protests against Park Gune, I mean, people brought their children, had kids on people's shoulders and prams and yeah. uh, stuff like that. And I, 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 don't, I, I think also there's credit to, you know, often these sort of protests uh, historically get more violent because the police are too tough. Mm -hmm. And you see, in a dictatorship, you you sort of feel that you're not familiar with somebody having a right to protest mm -hmm. which they which they are now mm. 
you know, I walk right. past some things, you see somebody with a protest thing outside of a ministry. Uh, a generation or two ago, that would have inflamed the authorities. It's sort of like heresy. Mm. Um, it's not very Confucian either to like speak to power yeah, like that. You're exactly. meant to bow and... Exactly. It's yeah. no de where's the deference? Hey, yeah. under government. Yeah. Um, now people accept that. And so the, the protests are... They can be large and vigorous, mm. but there's, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're of a different nature. Right. You know? Did you, when you went to these protests, you mentioned students would put toothpaste uh, maybe uh, under their, their cheekbones or something like this. Did you have to prepare something? Like, did you get a, a yellow pages and put it inside your shirt to make sure? I, I, I don't know. I uh, have no idea. Did you, did you have to physically prepare or is it just I got my notepad my pen and my balls of steel and off I <laughs> off I go well, with my armband or with my number well no it's it's more embarrassing than that keep this a little bit closer if you can please. okay it's because um that's fine you know I'm <clears throat> I'm I was a print reporter mm -hmm. so the real the real heroes of this on the media side are the cameramen and uh you know the the, the video cameramen and the still photographers all right they have to get right up front. Mm, okay. And so you're the general's back <coughs> like the students. <coughs> <Excuse me. coughs> well, even worse than that. Um, yeah. In 1987, the center, of the, the center of the action was Myeongdong Cathedral because the, the police would definitely not go onto cathedral grounds. And, mm. the, you know, Catholic Church has a history of ref providing refuge yeah. and so on. Yeah. So... Um, the that was it was in front of the church where a lot of that was happening. So Myeongdong was the center mm. of a lot of the protests, and I found myself a rather nice. There weren't many nice coffee shops in those days, but I found a nice one on the second floor mm -hmm. of the road. The road going up to um, uh, the cathedral, about a hundred yards down, the second floor. I could actually watch from the window without uh, feeling the tear gas. Yeah, that's you know. perfect. Was Myeongdong, and, uh, a, was Myeongdong a foreign place then? But now it's associated with foreign tourism. tourism. But what was it uh, like? In, was it a place in the 80s? Was it a shopping center? Was yeah, it a, a big shopping area. Big shopping area, yeah. Um, not, not dissimilar to what it is now, because okay. those buildings remain the same, a lot of them. No. You know. um, but uh, um, so I didn't, I didn't prepare... In that way, I did at one point um, that for some reason it was illegal to have a gas mask. Some reporters got gas masks, okay. but, but they were, they were you could get them somewhere up Uljiro or somewhere one of these shops somewhere. Yeah. You could get get them, but uh, technically they were illegal. Some reporters had them. Uh, I remember seeing a Washington Post reporter visiting from Japan. A lot, a lot of the American papers and British European papers were based mm. in Japan, sitting outside the uh, chosen hotel on a wall mm -hmm. um, with his laptop going like this with a gas mask on. You know, sort of these are some of the images I have of that <laughs> yeah. time, you know. Um, wow. And, uh, um, but the protests are very diff different now. Mm. Yeah. Can you mentioned at one stage that rather than being, I think you said it, it wasn't so much the students, but there was this religious, religious groups that pushed it. Now you've just mentioned the cathedral in Myeongdong. 
Um, There's lots of different religious groups here in South Korea. Yeah. I was just, and I've read about it before, by the way, and, and that sort of involvement. I haven't read about this specific part before, but that involvement of religious groups in Korean history, whether it's from the, the Gabo reforms or the 1919 mm. Samuel mm. the the March first. There, there's always been that legacy, I think. Was it was it Buddhist? Was it Christian? Was it Catholic? Protestant? Did you get any sense I, of what I, it was? To be honest, I don't know. As I say, the the um, I, I regret this now because I think they were important, um, but there was very little interest in the part of the foreign press. Mm. You know, once the protests, it's a little bit like the protests against Park Geun-hye. Um, it was only later that I realised these were very well organised and they were funded. And you're thinking, okay, who's sense. doing that? Well, I think it might be in the trade union. Uh, I, I don't know who it was, but there's mm. some real opposite. It's not just some... Whereas the press... Uh, the Western press can often romanticise these things too much. You feel like, oh, it's the spontaneous expression of the people. Well, mm. excuse me. Um, no, somebody has organised mm. the spontaneous expression of the people. Mm. Uh, maybe a lot of people have joined it spontaneously, but, you know... Uh, so there was never any interest. So I, I in who that who, that committee? I'd have to look it up. I'm sure, in the Korean yeah. press. I'm sure they covered it. Um, but the Catholic Church, the 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 Christian community was kind of divided as the country was. As I say, you know, everybody would want democracy, mm-hmm. but the, the North Korean threat. Everyone then had experienced the Korean War. Yeah. So this was no joke. This was no sort of um, ideological uh, right-wing type of fantasy. This mm. was from people's life. They knew this. Uh, the threat of North Korea is very real. Mm. And we have to tolerate some... We have to tolerate certain things in order to be protected from that threat. Yeah. You know? It's uh, American troops, American presence. Uh, the you know, in those days, if, if you don't like having to sort of kowtow to the Americans for everything, mm. this is the price you're paying for this protection, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Then, as the country develops, that relationship with America changes. You know, yeah. but also it's the leadership you have is you want someone who can protect you against that. So the the churches and the I don't know how the Buddhists where the Buddhists fell on this, but the Christian churches were definitely divided on this. Mm. So you would get some who would emphasize, well, in other words, uh, the, 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 the religious vote was split. Okay. You know, but the Catholic Church did play a big role. And the Catholic Cardinal at that time, uh, Cardinal Stephen Kim, was probably the most I'm just thinking like now if, if you would say who, who is the most respected sort of leader social leader in this country now who's not a politician not a business person it's hard to say he, head of the COVID-19 response her name is Jung Eun Kyung mm. she eventually went very grey but I, she seemed to be well respected I'm not sure if she's a leader of such but okay you well the people like that would be appreciated for the, uh, I'm thinking more in terms of justice, human rights, and uh, I, you know, who is it you turn to? The Bishop Tutu. The <laughs> who, who, who? Yeah. So he was that. He was that person. Beyond the fray. Yeah. Politics. Yeah. Okay. He was. He okay. was careful to. 
be nuanced as well. He mm. wasn't like, you know, uh, but some priests were more radical. And then a lot of people became Catholics mm. for political motives because the Catholic Church provided refuge, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And eventually lots of presidents would be Catholic, whether it's Kim Dae-jung or President Moon Jae-in. Moon Jae-in, Catholic, Kim Dae-jung. Um, I think they're the only ones. Lee Sung-man was a Methodist. Park Chung-hee, I think, was Buddhist. Well, I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what not Park sure Chung-hee no. was. I don't know. <laughs> he was sure. just a soldier. Shin- no, <laughs> uh, not sure what he was. Um, Chun Doo-wan was a Buddhist, I think. If anything, he did. He did like three years of penance in a in a Jeondungsa uh, temple, mm. I believe, out in Gangwondo. Yeah. I've seen that room where oh. he stayed in. Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, y- you mentioned North Korea, hmm. and so these days there's so many videos about this on YouTube of people going around Seoul like with a vlog asking young people, "Are you scared of North Korea?" And then South Korean people are like, "I want an ice americano." Like, where's the coffee yeah. shop? And I, yeah. I'm doing Instagram. There's there's not a great big fear actually mm. of North Korea in South Korea today, mm. and I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But in that period, you would have. The memories of the Korean War, I guess, would have still been there. Mm. You would have had the 83 uh, bombing mm. in Rangoon, the commando raids in the late 60s. Was there, and I and I would imagine as well, and please correct me when I'm wrong, but there would have been less known about North Korea at that yeah. time. Oh, definitely. Because now we, we, we can yeah. see inside. We yeah. have all the, the images, the social media. Um, mm. w- what was the... Was there like a fear? Was there this mystery, enigma, romanticism about it? Or did it seem scary? Yeah, it, it was, um, it was, there was definite, definite fear of North Korea. And that was in part, obviously, because of the experience of the Korean War. It was also because of the <clears throat> whole posture of uh, government at the time mm. is to ex- because this is what we're protecting you against. Yeah. So there's the propaganda, and uh, I remember once uh, going to the unification ministry, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I said, "Oh, can I have a look at some North Korean books and stuff?" Because they had this little sort of library. Yeah. And I remember now. What bear this in say? mind. I'm not. I'm approaching this not in a religious way. I'm just as a journalist. You know, mm-hmm. But I'd lived in Korea for a few years by then. Mm. And I go into this room, and I almost feel like unclean. You know, it, I almost, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's mm. almost like a Christian going into the Church of Satan right. or something. There's, there was a, f- a feeling that e- even the red and black imagery and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, you see, in time, that whole impression, people would laugh at that now. Because that that's all gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the fear of North Korea now is more uh, where it is. It's more of a, a realistic one. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was the bogeyman. It was a fear of something that was unknown and mm-hmm. uh, some mysterious evil that uh, oh my parents told me about and this and that you know. Um, so horns and mystery. Yeah, beyond well, the the reality or something yeah, into a mystical. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, they were literally like like kids in the school in the late 50s and in the 60s. I mean, I knew people who told me, you know, when I was at kindergarten, elementary school, I actually thought North Koreans had horns. Mm. That's what they told us. Mm-hmm. Because the the language in which with in which they were referred to 
mm-hmm. was that sort of imagery. You know, these people are evil. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And um, so that, uh, that has taken a while, but uh, I think that's gone. Mm. So the, the fear of North Korea, the military fear is, uh, I mean, that this doesn't mean North Korea is not a threat, but the nature of the threat is, is more rationally appreciated, if you yeah. like, I think. Now we're talking about missiles and capabilities and um, island chains and where they can strike. And mm. Because we, we see Tem and Kim Jong-un, his family, his daughter and things like this, yeah. rather than just being <clears throat> not quite really, really sure what they look like to, yeah. to a certain extent. And uh, that's probably that's that's definitely a good change, I think. Oh, I think I think it's a very good change, uh, and it allows um, South Korea to respond and deal with North Korea in a way that is in accordance with its own values, rather than sort of a tit for tat or two sides that see themselves as equals. Mm, mm. Um, you know, this this is what allows South Korea. South Korea knows it has to behave as appropriately as a democracy towards this horrendous country. Yeah. Uh, whereas before they would they it was literally like, you know, you're fighting Satan. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, so uh, And that um what's the word reluctance is the re- restraint. When you see the uh the sinking of the Sewol, the the bombing of Young and, mm-hmm. and, and no visible retaliation for the loss of South Korean mm. lives, you know, and whether that's President Obama on the phone saying, get your planes down or whatever the yeah. stories are. But it's mm. always surprised me that restraint because I <clears throat> I can, I go through it sometimes in some of my presentations, the, the let's call them sometimes atrocities, the international that North Korea has carried out. And, you know, sometimes an astute student will raise their hand and go, what did South Korea do in return? Mm. And it's, it, it, well, maybe they didn't do anything or maybe they did and it's, swept under but you i think you make a, a very interesting point that it needs to respond according to its own values rather than tit yeah. for tat and but i think interestingly i think there will come a point where um they might respond in a way that surprises us mm-hmm. um i think uh <clears throat> when i say responding in their own values i'm thinking of things like uh why shouldn't we be able to read the Nodong Shimun or the Pyongyang Times in South Korea. Yeah. You know, our value, you know, freedom of speech, freedom Agreed. of expression, blah, 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 you know. Uh, and there was always this, the government um, basically never trusted its own people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and always gave North Korea probably greater credit than they due, but it's difficult to judge, for their ability to sway people and to send in spies and manipulate people and Mm. and set up things you know that's obviously happened over the years Mm. Um, we don't know the extent to which it's happening now Mm -hmm. but um, the government has all this is why this is why you never want sort of military intelligence types running being the president of a country because then you know they will think about that stuff they will set stuff up according to what they know, whereas, yeah. in fact, you've got to put that in its place. You know, there's, a, there's always a risk there. That, uh, But what I'm saying about democratic values is more um, how we treat our own people. Yes. In relation, you know. So, but I think the retaliation thing, uh, 
definitely in the early days, the Americans stopped them. Mm -hmm. And with Rangoon, um, I, I'm not sure if I'm, I seem to recall that the Americans were very, very concerned that the Chunduam was going to retaliate. And then when the ambassador went over to the Blue House or went, met him off the plane or whatever mm -hmm. it was, um, found that that's not what was in his mind. Um, so I think the Koreans now don't need the Americans say, oh, don't retaliate. They, they've actually been very soft over the years, particularly in the last 20 years, because mm. they want to keep this, um, they, they want to keep some kind of dialogue or something going. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think, you know, there are people also who realize that North Korea is a country that understands the punch in the face. Mm -hmm. And is rather contemptuous of the, the the pretty words. Yeah. So if they tried something under this government, um, I wouldn't be surprised if because the rules of engagement have changed. One thing with the, the not the Sewolho, the Chonan, uh, uh, the Chonan, the Chonan, the, Chonan. Yeah, the, the ship in two thousand ten. Yeah, it was two thousand ten. Is that the rules of engagement were such that um, the, the 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 local uh, the officer on the ground was very limited to what they could do, mm. and, and the uh, proper retaliation had to go up a long way. So by the time that sort of came back down again, it would be too late. So I think yeah. the, the rules have changed on that so to allow greater leeway to the local commanders, you know, if something mm. happens. And it seems I, I've heard <clears throat> reports of the current government, the conservative president, Yoon Seok-yeol government, moving to allow reading of the Nodong Shinmun and, uh, and things like that. I'm not sure mm. if that's political posturing or or maybe it's, well, let's read it and then we can see what they are really saying right. about it well, rather is, than... The ironic thing is that you think if if they let everybody have total free access, that would probably convert the few diehards. Yeah. Because you know, North Korea does not present itself very well. No. You know. No, it doesn't. And I don't think if um, I, I've always advocated for us to be able to watch the, the vlogs that it makes because YouTube and uh, Google have banned a lot of these North mm. Korean produced oh, right. North Korean vlogs where mm. it's, a, it's a woman walking around a department store in Pyongyang and they've said that's government propaganda. You're not allowed to show that or make money from it. But I've always I've always wanted to see them to see how North Korea see what it's like. and mm. I don't worry that I'm going to start goose stepping around the place saying Kim Song Man say or something you know yeah. I, I have faith in my ability and I th I think governments should have a a little bit more faith in us mm. like that yeah. mm. um, you you mentioned South Korean values and we always need to just like acknowledge and recognize the, the wonderful transformation this country has done like mm. through its people and the fact that you and I can have these conversations like this and we can talk about all manner of things. Yeah, we're not afraid someone's going to burst through the door and, you know, say, what are you guys doing? Absolutely. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and there are many places in the world that are not like that. And some places are like that and they go backwards. So mm. that should be acknowledged um, in terms of South Korean democracy. And I know you've spoken about it at various points. I think history matters. Where you, how you achieve democracy, what you were before a democracy, the culture mm. of the country, like because we we might say that Britain is a democracy, 
France is a democracy, mm. um, Argentina, and we could go all around the world, but and then we come to South Korea, but the democracies would always be a little bit different, mm. are they? Do they manifest differently? So I think what I'm trying to ask you here, Mike, is uh, is there something specific or unique about South Korean democracy mm. as it's manifest? And you've been here to witness mm. that transformation, mm. or is it... No, David, it's just democracy like, you know, back home in Dover or something. Right. Well, um, I mean, I think democracy is a broad, uh, yeah. what do you call it, church? No? That works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a wide temple. <laughs> yeah, it's a wide temple. <laughs> it's a voluptuous mosque. There you go. <laughs> um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it comes in different shapes, but demo- democracy basically means the... Uh, uh the people uh, ruled by the people yeah uh usually through for practical reasons usually through institutions mm-hmm. uh, representative government you know um and so in that regard korea is in the family of democracies there are other countries like north korea call themselves democratic but the concept is different yeah of it's democratic in in the eye the leader represent the people Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what makes it democratic, you know. So there's a different. We should have another word for that, really. Well, we do have a few words, um, but I I, can't, I hesitate to say that Koreans is unique because I'm not sufficiently familiar with other countries. But one thing uh, about democracy in this country is I think there's more emphasis on the democratic part than on the republican part. Mm-hmm. In that, or should I say, there's more emphasis on the people part than on the institutions. The institution being the Republican part, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, if, that, if I'm saying, if I'm characterizing this right, mm-hmm. that the, for example, the the institutions of democracy being the courts, the media, the National Assembly, uh, mm. elections, and things like that, um, whereas the the rule the consent of the people to be ruled by these institutions. Mm. So in, in Britain, for example, we've long had a representative democracy. And one thing that's interesting about ours is that the the originally the people who were allowed to vote or allowed to stand for parliament mm-hmm. were the landed gentry. And so they own land around the country. Mm. And therefore, the power is around the whole country geographically dispersed I, dispersed yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense and and the these people sort of come to london to represent in theory their constituents and argue for so from aberdeen they'd be arguing about mm. the fisher fishing interests and you know this sort of thing whereas in a lot of asian countries everything piles into the capital yes um so sorry i went off on a tangent then but the uh, you from Aberdeen? No, no. Okay. Uh, actually, that my, was a <laughs> my my father's from uh, Dundee. Okay. Uh, but uh, Dundee is jam, jute, and journalism. You got it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But and it's centralized here. You were saying. Yeah, very centralized here, um, and so, but also, I think this is a weakness of Korean democracy that the the institutions are weak. Mm-hmm. I think in the 2006, we can talk about this later if you like, but the 2016 impeachment of Park Chung-hee, uh, Park Geun-hye, yeah. the daughter of Park Chung-hee, who was the president, um, represented a failure of institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
a deference to the one million people who came out and protested as mm -hmm. if they were running the country. But actually, in a democracy, they don't run the country. It's not practical. Yeah. Um, they get to elect people every few years. So they consent and they can change. Mm. But there's a system that allows for that. So street, the street is not the place where that happens. Mm. Um, however, so I think that's a weakness of Korean democracy. And part of that is, uh, I think what's happened is the two things, I think. One is that the country used to be ruled by a strong authoritarian leadership forever. Mm. Mm. Um, and the culture was like that as well, an authoritarian type of culture. Mm. Um, so the authoritarian has, has moved away. There's a vacuum now. And in, into this vacuum has moved this idea of the people. Mm -hmm. So the government is very, very responsive to the people. Very responsive. Yeah. yeah. You get negative articles in newspaper and all sorts of things happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas in other countries, they might go, is this true? I don't know. Well, who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, well, people care. But it goes as a sort of, oh, the public opinions polls say this. Mm. Okay, right. Here, it's almost as if they're giving instructions, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was an example of this when uh, Kim Jong-sam was flying to the U.S. Mm -hmm. to meet Clinton. Uh, early 90s? Yeah, early Maybe. 90s. To discuss something to do with North Korea. I forget what it was. But there was, there, there was some... There's always a difference in, in approaching North Korea. Sometimes the Americans want to do it and the Koreans don't. Sometimes it's the other mm -hmm. way. And the story goes that Kim Jong-sam read uh, The Chosen Ilbo on the plane on the way over. And by the time they landed, changed his position. Oh, wow. And the Americans were furious because you don't do that with summits, you know. Yeah. And so that, that's the power of the press, very, very strong, because it see, is seen to represent the people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I think it's because this is what's moved into the vacuum, the, this sense, this is what democracy means. Mm. Now, that may change. The other reason for it, I think, is that, uh, you know, institutions tend to tend towards corruption, you know, like hierarchies, if you like. Uh, institutions is the wrong word. Hierarchies, when people have power, yes. over yeah. time, they tend towards corruption. And the Koreans in their modern history have really felt that badly, mm. really badly. Mm. Uh, they've had... Um, well, just 100 years ago, 120 years ago, the king, who ruled for 600 years, gave the country away to a foreign power without, without a struggle. Yeah. That's yeah. a very interesting way of describing I mean, the Joseon Taijin. No, that's this is why yeah. nobody, there yeah. isn't a single yeah. person, yeah. Well, there might be one, who, who ever uh, has said since 1945 that they want the monarchy back because these people were useless. Yeah. Um, and the National Assembly has been corrupt. The reason, you know, the, the, the most, the reason that the military was welcomed by a generation or accepted, mm. it was, wasn't that, oh, these are horrible, brutish soldiers who come in to bully us. No, these were the uh, most, the best trained, most patriotic, self-sacrificial mm. people around. The, the civilian politicians were crooks. Mm. You know, so people haven't forgotten that, you know, and so on. So the institutions haven't exactly 
um, been worth sort of relying on. Yeah. You know, haven't haven't sort of been good enough to rely on. So that's another reason that there's this idea is the people. Mm-hmm. So, so if there is a distinction in the Korean democracy from others, uh, and as I say, there may be other democracies like this, um, it's it's that sort of emphasis on this part. I think, mm. You know, this is fantastic, Mike. Let's try and play this out. So, I can give, I think, two examples of where I think this uh, public sentiment, you call it, mm. I believe. Um, uh, Isabella Bird or Matt Van Valkenburg would call it the gusts of popular feeling. Yeah. Uh, in Korean. Mm. Minshim. Minshim. Yeah, something like that. Um, one way I see it play out in, in the modern South Korea is that the government will make an announcement that it's going to make an announcement about yeah, something. Right. Oh, so we're going to announce something about the minimum wage next mm. week. We're gonna, And they're just testing the waters to yeah. see what the... So they make an announcement yeah. about an announcement to gauge the feeling, to gauge the temperature, and then they'll respond accordingly. Mm. Another one that I find fascinating is when... Uh, journalists or people might ask a a, a politician or a president about something related to, you know, a a hot button issue like um, abortion or gay marriage or something like this. And, and, you know, the leader will come back and say, we need to have national consensus first. Now, we use this Mm. term shigi sangjo, which means Mm. it's premature. It's not the time. And so it's it's interesting that it's not based on a principle or a law. It's we need to get national consensus first. We mm. need that public mm. sentiment before we move forward mm. with it. I, I see that quite a lot here, actually. And yeah. I'm intend... No, I have been inclined to think, well, that's that's kind of good, isn't it? It, mm. it? It's not the way... Or should it be? No, it should be the principle. We shouldn't rely on this tyranny of the majority. And Well, uh, it's good um, in a sense that... Um, I think there's this sort of Confucian echo of harmony in society is desirable. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, it's good from that point of view. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's also that, despite what I said a minute ago about the rule by the people, mm. actually, the government rules. And in what way? How manipulates yeah. the people? I mean, the uh, decisions yeah. uh, made by government. Mm. For example, I mean, it's a bit of an old one, but we could apply it to now. I suppose is. Um, when the Berlin Wall fell, mm. 1989, whenever it was, 19, yeah. was it 1989? The uh, South Koreans government, South Korean government, sent a team to Bonn, which was the capital then, to or where the embassy was then. Okay. To spend a year in research and and see how it worked, unification. Yeah. <clears throat> and they came back and said <laughs> no don't do it uh, yeah and um, at the time if you asked any Korean about you know what the aspiration for the country was it's unification mm. um, and the government I heard this in government uh, for in about 92 I think it was mm. uh, assistant foreign minister told me about this and I wrote this in my book he I had a coffee with him. He he actually later became the first ambassador to China, and uh, he. Uh, I was chatting with him before I went up to North Korea once, mm. and we, he said, "You know," he said, "You know, we don't want unification." I said, "What?" And he said, "Can I speak off the record?" Because we, we were talking about yeah. North South reconciliation uh-huh. or something, 
And <clears throat> I said, yeah, okay, I'll put my notebook down. <laughs> put my notebook down. <laughs> this, Once there's there's nothing notebook. going on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and um, he said, we, he was like treating me like a kid, you know, he said, <laughs> we, Koreans, yeah. do not want unification with North Korea. Uh, and I, I said, really? He said, yeah. And he, he went on to say, you know, it, we can't handle it mm. economically, socially, stuff like that. Um, but uh, if you want to ask me on the record for my opinion, mm. please do. So I said, okay, so what about unification? He said, well, we Koreans want unification, um, <laughs> but we prefer to do it in a, in a steady, step-by-step -step way. Yeah. What they were introducing yeah. was the Chomjinju, uh, which is the, uh, what's the word? Anyway, step-by-step -step unification yeah. as opposed to Hupsutongil, which is the um, sudden absorption of North Korea, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which had been the assumption until then. All right. And so, so there's an example of how the entire population would be thinking one thing. The government goes, uh-oh, we need to change. Within about three years, mm. this was normal thinking through the country. Everybody bought this. And there was no dramatic speech or dramatic moment when it mm. was, I think it was just injected. Probably the media was briefed and then there were articles and mm. columns and things like that. And people started to realize that absorbing, uh, not taking on North Korea would be too difficult. It would have to be gradual and uh, gradualism, that's what they call it. Um, and uh, so in a, in a similar way, now we say that people aren't interested in North Korea. Mm -hmm. But they could be made to be interested again if circumstances change. So that, that's what I mean. The, the government yeah. isn't isn't the government isn't some passive actor here. It's, it pretends to be passive, but yeah. it has to sufficiently pay attention to the people via the media, via netizen commentary, via online uh, street protests and stuff mm. like that, um, to take what they people think into account for the purpose of harmony. Mm -hmm. As to get back to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Harmony does seem to be important here, and whether it's you know don't rock the boat, keep everybody yeah. on side, and uh, and stop fighting. And this is a tangent, but as somebody <coughs> such as you, Mike, that's worked in media for a long time and now sort of communications mm -hmm. and things like that, there from people outside the media, there is this idea amongst some that. The media constructs narratives. It's all, uh, and they shift public opinion and things like this. It, it could be a bit tinfoil hat. This idea, mm. but so I want to ask you, as somebody that's been inside the media, is the media able to, like, shift, drive, and uh, and put out these ideas that will then become commonplace? Does the media have that much sway, or are they? Is it just like people riding into the wind and hoping to catch something? Um, I think certain media, like Chosen Ilbo, are very, very influential. Mm. And this so, is very right-wing. Yeah. Well, well, is it? Would, you not, describe it for me, sorry. It's, Some people might not know. I mean, well, th this is a whole other subject. <laughs> you know, what does it mean, right-wing? So we use these terms so freely now. It's not a pejorative. It's not it's, a bad um, term to be right-wing. Uh, no, but but I mean, it's bad. If if you see yourself as uh, liberal or left, then it is a bit. It is yeah. uh, oh, right wing. That's enough. To, you know, so if I say this is a right wing newspaper, that's enough for yeah. 
a lot of people say, well, then it's rubbish. Yeah. Um, so the, however, having having said that, um, <laughs> it's a right. Most Korean media are kind of center right ish. Mm-hmm. There's a couple. I'm talking about the main uh, newspapers now. Television. Don't worry about television mm-hmm. but for a moment. But there's a couple of newspapers, as you know, on on the political left. Um, Hangyore would be the big Hangyure, one, I guess. Pyongyang yeah. Shinmun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the further right, uh, I think, have gone into YouTube. Yes. And yeah. I think what happened there was uh, the chosen Ilbo let them down over the Park Geun-hye impeachment. They were having their, Blue House and Chosen Ilbo were having their own struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she got into trouble, they saw no virtue in saving her. Mm. Um, and uh, so the f- so so the chosen Ilbo is very influential, and and I don't think that's necessarily government saying, "Oh, would you like to put this col- column?" You know, it's um, I think they are an independent institution in that sense. Mm. Um, uh, so. It's a it's a complex picture, and the whole, the media has its own uh, difficulties, particularly financial, where uh, a lot of I, I don't think the media in this country serves the people very well. Mm. Um, they have such financial difficulty that a lot of the content you see, particularly on business, is paid for uh, directly or indirectly, <clears throat> so therefore has very little value. Mm-hmm. You know. But that's another thing. There's a lack of trust in media when I look at um, uh, statistics <coughs> and, and things like that. Uh, a lot of Korean people don't seem to trust the media. Mm. And people don't trust the media everywhere, but relative to other countries, there seems to be a high level of distrust. You've A, a couple of times you've mentioned this impeachment of Park geun mm. uh, and, and we got there with public sentiment and media. So maybe if we just touch on this for a minute, because I know you've spoken about it in the past, mm. the Royal Asiatic Society and things like this. Just to give you one insight is that if I, <clears throat> and I have done this, I've asked young university students, intelligent people that I teach at Hanyang and Seoul Women's University, like, what is Park geun in jail for? Mm. They don't know. Mm. They're just like, they're, she's, a, she's a, I mean, you would understand if it was murdering civilians or citizens yeah. or something no, like exactly. that, yeah. God forbid. Um, but what her crime was, was is, is a little bit difficult for some people to mm. put uh, to point out. And they would they would have this feeling that, yes, she should. She's a bad person. She should mm. be in jail. But the crime for which she should be in jail, I've often seen people sort of have this cognitive dissonance or, or realize that they don't know. Mm. What she's meant to be, was it 27 years or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, originally it was 33 or something. Essentially a death sentence, wasn't it? It was yeah. the, the, the sentence itself, whether she would spend all that, but it was essentially well, saying... part of it was they knew she wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. This is part of the the game. It's performative again, isn't yeah. it? It's well, like the... Yeah. It's like yeah. So... So how do we get into this theme? You mean, you mean what was she in jail for? Or Well, I mean, uh, you, you've brought it up a couple of times in terms of this public sentiment. And um, uh, we talked about it in democracy and the way mm. these protests come uh, and come about. And so I'm, you've talked about 
South Korea is more based on the people than the Republican side, the institutions. Mm. And so I guess you would see this impeachment of ex-president Park Geun-hye in 2016, 2017 as a reflection of Korean democracy, but also perhaps a weakness of Korean democracy, whether the um, I don't want to put words yeah. in your mouth. I apologize. Um, I, I see it primarily as a failure of institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, you know, what what actually happened, you remember, is um, Park geun was very unpopular. Yeah. Uh, however, the pattern of popularity uh, was normal. In other words, um, every... Sing, since democracy, you know, a Korean president serves a single five-year term. Mm-hmm. Everyone has been very popular at the beginning. Um, in fact, the you know, in the first two or three elections, people who voted for somebody else often felt, oh, it's like I picked the wrong horse. You know, mm. uh, my guy lost. Rather than feeling, okay, we're in the hands of this idiot now. Because uh, my guy lost it, so oh, you know. So the the approval was very very high at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Perhaps not so for Im Young Bak. Just I mean, there's there's little distinctions in this, but generally, then it goes down, down, scandal, down, down, scandal, aid sent to jail, down, down, <laughs> and by by the last year, mm. his or her own party's candidate doesn't want them campaigning with with them because they're poison. Mm. So it's that bad. <clears throat> Kim Dae- so Park Geun-hye was, her popularity is very low and then this story came out on television about a tablet mm-hmm. um, that showed she'd been sending, um, anyway, the story was um, tablet belonged to her close friend. She's Park Geun-hye, single woman, you know, unmarried. Mm-hmm. She's got no sort of intimate no family, um, and she had a close friend who apparently she gave special access to the Blue House, and who was another woman of similar age. Another, another, yeah, yeah, a woman of similar age, and who uh, ran a couple of foundations that uh, they got the Chebol to put some money into, mm. and so on. And the way this was presented in the media was so bad that the country just flipped. I remember a taxi driver telling me she shouldn't be in the Blue House, she should be in a mental institute. Mm. They, and they, people thought she was nuts. Um, and then people started coming out in larger and larger numbers. Mm. And on the very first demo, the police very wisely, or the, the police actually cordoned off the area very, very tightly. By the second demo, they wisely lightened up, mm-hmm. provided portable toilets and whatnot. It was all very organized, the wasn't at, it? The yeah. atmosphere improved, mm. and so there was an acknowledgement that people are allowed to demonstrate. You know, there doesn't seem to be any hot heads trying to get into the blue house or anything. So, mm. And then it went from there. Okay, that is all good and fine in a democracy. You know, sometimes your leaders do things yeah you know um so there's two parts this one one is that it turns out that the tablet they still don't know who it belonged to Mm -hmm. didn't belong to the friend didn't belong to park apparently and it was inadmissible as evidence in the court 
the thing that so sparked the whole So the main the bit of evidence yeah. was... So that was... That's it. Um, anyway, don't worry. Forget that. The... Uh, when I... Uh, so then what happened was that the National Assembly, her own party basically split. Mm-hmm. And the National Assembly, therefore there was a majority to vote against her. Mm-hmm. They came up with all these reasons why she should be impeached. Goes to the Constitutional Court. They reject all of them except one. And that was enough. Mm-hmm. And it was that she gave too much power to her friend or something. I forget what. I think she asked her friend for a suggestion for a Minister of Culture or something. So... God forbid you ask your friend for some help, you yeah. know. Like, well. and, and then, then you, then it goes to the trial. Um, we all know what's going to happen. Yeah, she yeah. gets thirty-three years, and we all know she's not going to serve it. So, <clears throat> but to me, there was a failure along the way. There was a failure of media mm. uh, to put this in context. Like, how? serious was this corruption uh, in a in a relative sense mm-hmm. maybe, maybe maybe the rules are you can't give your friend a free uh, a pass that lets her come into the blue house mm-hmm. maybe you're supposed to even friends are supposed to have a thing okay technical problem yeah um, she asked a friend to suggest a minister so not allowed to do that um, and she gave some, got Samsung to give money to the friends. Think, well, okay, is that the first time that's ever happened? Definitely not. No, no. And so, now I, I asked politician uh, friends in politics and media about this. Several mm. people, because uh, I, the reason I got curious about it, because a lot of the politics of these days I kind of ignore, but I got very curious about this because I had a couple of European ambassadors ask me. A question that you've asked your students. Mm. Why is this happening to her? Because I have to explain to my head office, mm-hmm. you know, in wherever it was. <clears throat> and my, my Korean staff um, give me a very one-sided view. Either if they support her, which I don't think anybody did, right. they would say it's all a communist plot. And if they're against her, they would say that she's something else. You know, so it was all talk of shamanism and control. It was, well, it was that mysticism was coming back. I think wasn't there, it? There was a bit of shamanism, though. To be fair to uh, the Koreans on this, is it was the foreigners who went with that. Okay, uh, there was an anti-cult thing mm. because her friend's father, in the Park Chung-hee days, had been some kind of religious. I don't know if he himself was some kind of profit or whatever but he yeah. had some influence in the over the in the park administration mm-hmm. what it was i don't know <coughs> and so the the stories in western media would be sort of cult connection or whatever it was whereas i think the koreans dropped that one pretty quickly they weren't all that bothered by that sounds more exciting i think for the westerners to go with yeah. that story and yeah, like, yeah. Uh, we get them these days as well like anal probes and bum injections and shamans that's still going with yeah. the, with with the current president <laughs> sorry if you didn't know <laughs> oh yeah oh of course yeah 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 uh, continue you, you please do yeah yeah i'll seamlessly okay. edit it or oh, i'll just leave it as go. a <laughs> so um yeah i asked uh people because because these ambassadors I realized I couldn't uh, really answer the question for them. I said, uh, 
I actually don't get it. Mm. Mm. Um, and uh, anyway, so I asked uh, various political types, all responded in the same way. Different explanations, maybe. Yeah. But all of them uh, referred immediately to inter-party, to, to political reasons why she wasn't protected. In other words, they didn't say, well, you know, you, you might not get this, but the, there's less tolerance for corruption, and it's clear that uh, her friend, this is probably the tip of the iceberg, there's real mm -hmm. corruption here, you know, and I think the investigation will prove that or something. N no, it was the, the, the best theory I got, the best mm -hmm. explanation was that uh, her Park Gune had just prior to that uh, appeared to uh, favor Ban Ki-moon and her party leaders thought she was going to go push him to be the next candidate because her relations with her own party weren't that great. Was he the UN secretary? He was the UN secretary general secretary at one Gen point. He, he was the UN secretary general, uh, would have been by the time the election comes around, would yeah. have no longer been, because the election would have been in uh, a year late, like 2018 or something. Yeah. And so that's why they were in no mood to, that's not why it happened, mm -hmm. but that's why, mm -hmm. the, the, the story could have just been, oh, here's a tablet, this is weird, and then disappeared the next day, mm. because nothing else comes out. Mm. Or it could even have been, uh, I can't remember if there were stories going on at that time about these foundations. It, it could have continued, but it could have been one of those um, kind of fringe corruption stories that mm. sort of... You kind of expect in yeah, high-level Korean exactly. politics and, and room salons and all that stuff. And um, so the explanation being uh, there was nobody willing to, not a sufficient number of people willing to support her. Wow. And uh, there were... Basically, not everyone I asked thought about Ban Ki-moon, but they all had that same explanation for why um, her party, you know, she basically had this coming because she kind of cut herself off from the party mm. and the leaders uh, of the party and so on and so forth. And the irony, uh, it, it might even be, I, I don't know. So it was her own party? Rather. It was it was her well the explanation the being party, had her party supported her they wouldn't have had the votes in the assembly to impeach her. Mm -hmm. So uh, the explanation for the politicians is is not that oh she deserved it she was corrupt. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's that political fact. So then the inquiry is well why did they not support her? Mm. Uh, interestingly I don't I don't know if anyone's gone further and said well why did she cut herself off and why was she so sort of isolated. She was and called sort of like this notebook princess, very isolated at the time, I remember. Well, that was it, the it's often, that's often seen, and I've, to be honest with you, I've long seen that as sort of a negative thing, because I've even heard from people in their own parties, like, I don't even know how to get in touch with her, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and uh, this is when she wasn't, uh, when she was the leader of the party, she was mm -hmm. also a bit aloof, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, I've, I've, recently um, wondered if there may be even be a, a, a better explanation for that, that she's, she was more, she was born into this type of position, mm. you know? Yeah. And uh, she 
probably had no illusions about the civilian, uh, the corruptness of the civilian politicians. Mm -hmm. And she had rapidly, because of who she was, had become the head of the party mm. and then wanted to distance herself because these guys are all seem to get involved in land deals and this and that. And the, the nod for the party leader or the president, once she mm. becomes the president, the nod to approve certain things. I'm sure there'll be people asking for favors like this all the time. Mm -hmm. So she cut herself off from that. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I, I don't know if, if that's true, but the, I don't know anyone who's actually looked into why that she might have been like that. If it's mm. just personality, or if there was something else. The psycholo psycholo psychology might suggest that she also saw both her parents assassinated. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, imagine so. growing up like that, yeah. with becoming the first lady at the age of 19 or whatever it was she was after her mother mm. had been shot, and then her father shot, mm. and so there might have also been that. Don't keep anybody too close to you. Right. That might have been. I'm not sure. It's a. It's, it's a certain. It's an interesting start because you know I think Korea, the type of leader Korea needs, is someone who's a bit of a son of a bitch, mm -hmm. um, bit hard, and uh, sort of rolls his sleeves. A kind of Lyndon Johnson type. Mm -hmm. who you probably think is probably a bit dirty at the edges, but right. because that you know. To function in this sort of society, you've got to be a bit of a hard man, a bit yeah. of a hard case. No. Um, and she wasn't, for whatever reason. I'm speculating about the reason. But but anyway, I I, uh, I think all part of this, uh, you use the word performative. Uh, I, I hesitate to use that, but anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, part of that is the, the pardon. See, this, this is another thing. It shows that justice is a bit of a joke because yeah. the courts can show the people that they're being tough by giving a sentence that's harsh, yeah. knowing that the person isn't going to serve out the time. Right. You know, or, uh, you know, depending on who the person is, if they're a chebol head, they're really not going to serve much time at all. If they're a politician... They'll be out in a few years when it's politically okay. Mm. If they're the ordinary peasant, like the um, the, the, sh the captain of the Sewol home, people like that, mm. they might just get forgotten. God knows when they'll be allowed out. I mean, they got incredibly ridiculous sentences. Yeah. You know? But um, Which kind of undermines the rule of law, doesn't it? it that does. it, it becomes well, symbolic rather than uh, blind, let's say. It, it, no, exactly. It, it undermines it because it shows it's sort of linked to political power. In other words, it's mm. not operating independently. Mm. So the the president will step in and pardon like twice a year, a bit like the, you know, King Charles giving his honours twice a year, the honours mm. list, you know. There'll be all these people getting pardoned twice a year. Yeah. And so that, that weakens the rule of law. It weakens the function of a pardon as well because presumably there are times when a pardon is appropriate. Yes. But... You know, not when five thousand people are being pardoned for stuff. No, yeah. no, no. The the um, E.J. Young when E.J. because E.J. Young also went to prison as part of yeah, all, all that part with, of um, yeah. with uh, Chess and Shill. And just before I get to E.J. Young, there was what seems to have resonated since then is that I'm always told by South Korean people that Koreans care about discrimination, but they care about discrimination in terms of 
employment and education. They want fairness in society. Mm. The society is mm. tough and it's competitive. Yeah. They're not too worried about some Korean people. They're not too worried about the the gender discrimination, the sex discrimination, but they want a fair crack of the whip when it comes to society mm. in terms of getting a job and getting employment. Mm. And a lot of that, some of that Park Geun-hye story was about the young girl that passed through all her courses oh, at right. EY without right. getting it. And we still see those stories yeah. coming up with ministers and their children yeah. and justice ministers yeah. and things, don't we? Yeah. That seems to be a, a resonant one at the moment that society can be tough and hard and competitive as long as it's fair. Mm. And, and there seems to be a big push against this. Uh, maybe Koreans will accept the chebol as long as the, some of the chebol are doing their part and not getting their kids through or mm. the elite way. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, you're right. There's a big streak of egalitarianism, and and education is the great leveler. Yeah. You you have to perform uh, in order to get anywhere, and so the the rich are able to sort of uh, do things that the poor aren't able to, but but basically the system is such that the, um, you know, the son or daughter of the of the poor man can become the president. Yeah, you know, so which is something really good about this society. But it's like a No Myuhyun figure or something like that. Is, yeah, it, is that people, correct yeah, characterization? Exactly. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, almost all of them. Um, I mean, they say Kim Young Sam came from a middle class family, but I think middle class back in the nineteen forties <laughs> was, you know, mm. what we would call poor. So, mm. um, but. Uh, th- yeah, you know, so I was going to say something about justice again. I forgot what it was now. I liked. Um, I, I liked. I'll speak a little bit. See if you can think of it. When um, Ida Young, the, the de facto head of Samsung at the time, he was he was taken in in ropes and given a long sentence. And then when the COVID nineteen pandemic came out, South Korea was looking around the world and going, "We've got no vaccines." Like everyone else has got these Pfizer ones uh, and things uh, like yeah. that. And then there was this. I'm not sure if I'm describing it right, but as I understood the situation, there was like. Shall we let Lee Jae-yong out of jail to go to America, mm. speak to Pfizer and get us some vaccines? And the mm. people were like, yes. Yeah. And, and so that's what yeah. happened. There's, it was like doing a duty for the nation. Well, this, see, this is a thing that's, um, and, and this is where I think uh, earlier on in my time in Korea, um, I might be more judgmental. And forgive me if I sound like I'm, you know, the way I'm criticizing the Korean justice system, uh, I, I wouldn't want you to read into it that oh we should be more like america or britain Mm. or something like that Mm. because um i think you know you you have to ask yourself well what is justice and what kind of system of justice does a society want and so uh a one of the one of the things you see here a lot or you just referred to yeah actually you just referred to it, it is the idea oh this person is contributing to the national economy therefore i the judge will give them a lighter sentence mm-hmm. or let them out you know and there's a kind of a collective sense in which this is acceptable to us and there is a part of justice that is it, it, it's it it's targeted at society the society needs to be comfortable with itself mm. but in the in our christian sphere there's an idea that justice is separate from us and it, there's something uh, 
sort of uh, spiritual about it that it's a sort of an it's more linked to an absolute good mm -hmm. oh you have committed this crime therefore you must pay this penalty mm -hmm. and whether you're rich or poor or who's lobbying for you i mean it does it does get factored in but in yeah. principle yeah it doesn't matter you know and um, i mean i say i prefer that system because that's the one i instinctively think is real justice because that's how you grew up that's and how I grew you used up. to. Yeah. But I can see, yeah, yeah. you know, if the whole of society is saying, yeah, let E.J. Myung out, but keep those others in, okay, there's a certain, uh, you know, because another function of justice is, is sort of wagging your finger at the rest of society. You know, this is what happens if you do, mm. you know. Yeah. And to a certain extent, society... I just realized I'm appalling half of your reasons, <laughs> your <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it should be clear for those that don't know, and, and I did it in the, the, the notes that I sent you that um, maybe we'll come on to it later, that you, you have no desire to change the country or to demand that Korea be like this, that you're, you're and I was speaking to this uh, about this with a, a mutual friend of ours, Jacko. Mm. that there's not this idea to be prescriptive. This is what Korea should do and it wants mm. to be like this because that's a very easy trap to fall into. I think I, even I fell into that in my early mm. days because everything was so different. And as a young 20-year-old hothead, I was like, no, like this, like this. You need, right. you, need, uh, you need bins on the street like we have in England. And yeah. You need this stuff. And then after a while, you, you slowly realize to, to not try to be so prescriptive and, and to let Korean people find the answers mm. for Korean people, I always get that sense uh, mm. from you, from your work. So I, I, I want to make that clear. Let me let me turn you to this, if I can, Mike, mm. which is that in a lot of books I read about Korea, they will often do the economy or the history or the mm. politics, but very few of them talk about culture. Mm. Very few of them talk about behavior and actions and relationships. And uh, mm. one of the, the most amazing things about your two books, The Koreans and The New Koreans, is that from my perspective, and, and you can say whether I'm reading, is that you address how Koreans behave and do things. And this is not in great sort of generalizations or trying to mm. paint all 50 million as the same, but you do, you do talk about the day-to-day -day life rather than these sort of grand impersonal, oh, and then the economy was here and the economy was here. Mm. You talk about that there was one, um, there was one, uh, it was in the New Koreans, maybe something like chapter 18 about these people in a, in a church building for morning service or something like that. And they're all meant to be there praying, but they're asleep and somebody would walk past them and mm. kick them and mm. say, wake up, you're meant to be praying. <laughs> but then there came a point when these young people would stand up and say, you're not allowed to kick me anymore. Mm. You know, we, we won't take these. And you seem to address culture in a way in your writing. Do, are you are you doing that? Am I reading it? Um, am I reading it correctly um, or incorrectly? Or yeah, well, yes, and I think it's it's kind of what I'm interested in. But it's also you know I'm not I'm not very academic. I, I'm a journalist and. Or uh, well, I'm not even a journalist now, but you know, <laughs> um, and I think I have uh, two. Well, I think one weakness I have as a journalist is sort of the short attention span. Um, you know, I I don't. I haven't studied another problem I have. Mm. You, you get people like this. I remember being with a company I worked for, being on a, a weekend training where we went through all these questionnaires and to figure, 
how do you how do you learn mm. and it turned out there were four ways that people learn i forget what they are now but one of them is like through experience one yeah. is through reading and stuff like that and i i was i was in that group of people who learn by doing something mm -hmm. so uh i've tried to get when i've had a new job or new profession i've tried to get a book out about it you know teach self-journey and i honestly can't get past the first page mm. I, I just cannot do it so i tend to read about things after the event so i'm not very systematic i don't have theories and stuff like that so i kind of discover career through people if you, mm. like. uh, you know so the sort of the bigger picture theorizing is is just for some glue to put it together with yeah but yeah. so it, it's really just the perspective i've had you know and i found things uh i mean i i i suppose the reason i made the effort was uh uh the politicians i i i was dealing as a journalist with i think the worst part of korea in the early days which was business and politics mm, right um, but with other Koreans, I found I had enormous affection for them and great. Uh, uh, I'll tell you a small insight. I can't remember if I wrote about this, but this will give you. This is shortly after I was here, mm. and you being British, you'll get this perfectly. Is I was walking up by the Lotte department store downtown. Yeah, which used to be two department. It used to be Lotte Midapa two. And all the way down that road, I think even now, it's all the bus routes through Seoul, they wanted the bus route being private companies, wanted to come this way. This is where all the traffic was. Yeah. So there was the whole, like for 100 meters, it was kind of bus stops. Mm. And one sort of um, evening, it must have been in the summer because it was still light, I think people leaving from work or something. I was walking up that road with everybody sort of waiting for buses. Mm and the buses would be coming from behind me. So they're all looking at me. I'm a foreigner. They're all looking at me. Yeah. And the the British person in me was uh, exquisitely embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about this. Art, and people were like, sort of just staring at me sort of like that. And I felt like sort of going, you know, Boo! You know what, or <laughs> what are you looking at? Or... Um, I didn't sort of cave into embarrassment. I mm. just sort of mentally mm. phased it out or something. But it made me really think. And, and I realized I come from a country, you know what I'm going to say. I come from a country where people, especially young people, they're always going, hey, mate, look at him. Look, look mm. at that bloke there. You know, yeah. commenting negatively yeah. about people, picking up on, oh, look at big ears there or, you know. And race and so look at the black guy. Look at mm -hmm. him. What do you think? He, you know, this sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas I realized that these they weren't doing that. They were simply open-mindedly observing. And if I smiled at them, they would smile back. Do you know what I mean? It was it was sort of simply here's here's a stranger. Mm. Mm. And I something inside me shed that English self-conscious critic yeah and and i thought actually i can be very comfortable living here mm. in that in that sort so this is all a sort of an invisible thing i went through and so uh, that that made me want to understand people and the other thing was i also admired the the pace of change and people were very see it was also a dictatorship you know and 
people in a dictatorship is, are disciplined in a way that they're not in a free country, uh, that they, they seem to be more focused and, oh, I want to do this when I grow up, I want mm -hmm. to do this. Um, and I found that very impressive, you know, that sort of, it was that Korean energy, which is still going, you yeah. know, it's that sort of driving the country on. And there's no celebration here of, you know, n none of the social heroes here are sort of telling their story about how they uh, finally kicked heroin after 20 years and all that sort of, but our heroes are all sort of, a lot of them are cultural mm -hmm. heroes, kind of anti-heroes, aren't mm -hmm. they? Mm -hmm. You know, you get like the Rolling Stones are still going. These are yeah. like the bad boys that we've grown up with yeah, for the last yeah. 60 years, you yeah. know, so we, we don't... glorify their drug use or something yeah, like that. And, and their sort of antisocial behavior and yeah. stuff like that. There's, there's a real sort of earnestness uh, here that um, coming from that other kind of culture, you can sort of think, wow, this is so different, you know, but I, it's kind of nice. Mm. So um, that's not a good answer to your question, but it's, it's how my, my disposition is sort of rather like that. And it must be doing something if you've been here for 40 plus years well, that you, yeah. you, you have shed. I, I sometimes use, use this term Koreanization. I use it to my young students that come over here because we mm. always talk about westernization, modernization, mm. globalization. So I like to give them the term Koreanization, which is, you know, if you've been here for one year, there will be a little part of you perhaps that has become a little bit Korean or influenced mm. by Korean. It might be uh, the way you get your hair cut. It might be something you wear. It might be what you mm. watch. But a little bit of Korean will come into you. And after 40 years, it's inevitable that, you know, something will have influenced you in Korea. Sorry. Well, thing, things influence you. But, but I think these are often internal and invisible things rather than necessarily stylistic things. Mm -hmm. I remember the thing, you know, years ago, it was about 1987, I think, uh, 88, I went down to Jeju Island because mm. I was researching the uprising that had happened there 40 years earlier. Mm. And um, I made an appointment to meet um, doc, uh, Father Patrick McGlinchey, who was uh, an Irish a missionary who who had transformed the island. He's a man who introduced sheep. I've read about him so many times. Yeah, read, okay. I've read of you. you yeah. Met, okay. yeah. Wow. And uh, so I ring him up and say, he said, he said, I said, I'll come to you, you know. And he said, where where are you staying? I said, well, I'm at this hotel. He said, oh, um, I'll, I'll meet you at the hotel. Mm. And actually what he wanted to do, he was thinking of starting up a hotel training Thing. So he actually went, he went, asked me to come up to the room mm. and he measured, measured the room. He wanted to, <laughs> anyway, he's, he's kind of, anyway, but when I was waited in the lobby yeah. in the coffee shop yeah. and I'm sort of expecting, I've been there for, in Korea for five years. This guy's been here since, since the war, 53, yeah. I think he came. How old was he? What kind of age roughly when you met him? So he, <clears throat> let's see, he had been there 35 years. So he must have cool. been. 60s, 70s, 60s, maybe. And on Jeju, the whole basically was it the whole time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So he, you know, I'm, I'm expecting. I thought, okay, maybe he's going to be wearing a hanbok or something, and he he'll come in and he'll sort of go like this. <laughs> so here comes this big guy with a dog collar on, flicking dandruff off his black sort of Catholic. Yeah. He said, "It's Michael, is it? Is it yourself?" You know, it's 
just straight out of Donegal yeah. or somewhere. Yeah. And uh, sorry, that was a bad accent, but um, <laughs> uh, so in that sense, you know, I think people do remain who they are to a great extent. Mm. Um, you know, but you you start to get used to certain things. Uh, I, uh, you know, you and I probably get used to being looked at twice, maybe not downtown, but mm. where we go. Mm. And then you go home and you find nobody's looking at you like that and you, it sort of throws you a little bit, you know? Am I nothing? <laughs> you <know. laughs> Why aren't you looking at me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even negatively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would do. So, uh, but certain other things uh, definitely rub off. Can I give you the one yeah. of small talk? which is when I was back in, and I, I did write about this, but um, when I was back in the UK in November, just standing in line at a coffee shop and someone would say up to me, oh, it's a bit cold today, isn't it, love? And, <laughs> and, or you'd be waiting for a oh, bus yeah. and someone yeah. would go, bloody hell, mate. And, and they would just say something to you. Yeah. You've never met them yeah. before, but there was this idea that you could speak to strangers yeah. and just a throwaway line or yeah. a, a casual greeting, something, a, a joke. Yeah. It doesn't happen as much here. Happen, it, it, yeah. It's a bit more silent here, isn't it? Yeah. You don't sort of yeah. uh, vocalize to other people, mm. um, which is which is not to say it's better or worse, but yeah. sometimes that that silence can be here rather deafening. That's right, because you can, uh, uh, you know, we're in a city that there's so many people living so close together. Mm. You can walk out amid hundreds. Um, Obviously, one part of your brain is aware because you're not sort of knocking people over, but yeah. but you're you're thinking of something else. Whereas, yeah, in England, it's sort of you're in a line and you're suddenly aware of everybody else, and so they turn around and yeah, start yeah. talking. You know, Give the you other know. thing is um, one thing I have come become accustomed to is uh, silence in you know conversations that just run dry. Mm for a minute or two, like when you're eating lunch with somebody, you don't say anything for a while. Mm. Whereas for, I think most, uh, certainly English speaking people, maybe most Westerners, after about five seconds, sort of everyone, you start squirming <laughs> and feel the need to say something, yeah. however inane it may be. Yeah. You know? uh, More comfortable silence is here. Yeah, uh, so silence kind of... is not a threat in that sense. Mm. So, yeah. Um, you know. Th there's, um, <laughs> This is a bit disrespectful. Are you aware of chavs? That kind chavs, of? yeah. Yeah, like standing outside the co-op, like smoking yeah, yeah, cigarettes, yeah. buys yeah. 20 Bensons, mate, that kind of yeah. thing. I don't see many chavs here. Yeah. That, that, so you, 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 you mentioned this idea of people. We don't have, there's not these heroes with the drug problems or things mm. like this. And of course, nobody's perfect. And we're, we're painting these yeah. kind of pictures just to be descriptive, though. But I also don't see sort of... Um, youth delinquency on the streets or or that yeah. kind of thing that the, the the convenience stores will have nobody in them and things mm. like this uh, I, I do like that about this yeah. place uh, yeah. it's, I don't know how they do it though I don't know whether it's because we started this part talking about culture whether it's is that culture is that is that just resources am I just romanticizing one view of career here and seeing it differently mm. when do you see what I mean by that whether there's something in the culture or I don't, I don't know what it is because you know Korea has well, Koreans have been through so much in the last hundred years mm. 
there was a time when there were loads of people just sort of sitting there balefully looking at you and maybe if you're a woman being mm. a bit threatening and stuff like that so what's transformed it I don't know but I ironically um, an unfair justice system uh, sorry I'm not arguing for an unfair justice system, <laughs> might might help a bit because you're going to get knocked about if you're a bad boy mm. you know if you're if you're um, whereas the justice system back home may bend over backwards to try and be understanding of people who resort to stealing stuff out of the convenience mm. store, mm. whereas in fact what they need is a slap over the head type of thing. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I honestly don't know what the reason is, but I, I I can't imagine. You know, there's a lot of pilfering in Britain, for example, mm. particularly with young people sort of stealing small stuff. I haven't heard the word pilfer for so long. <laughs> oh, is that, is that an old one? <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I can't imagine. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure it happens here. Yes, um, of course. But I can't imagine somebody in this country risking their reputation, their family relations and everything mm. else just for a 10,001 to not pay for a book or something. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Whereas, um, so, there's, there's, I don't know what the explanation is, but no. um, it's something that you would think that societies that struggle with delinquency, that's the thing, you'd think they would study societies like Korea and Japan, uh, Singapore and places like that to see, well, why don't they have this problem, Taiwan? Yeah, you know? yeah. Maybe, and I don't think it's to do with, because you wonder, I've often wondered whether it's time and if you run Korea forward another hundred years or something mm. and the democracy Maybe. becomes a bit more enmeshed, then people will get a little bit, yeah. um, freer is the wrong word, but behavior might change. It's because it's a new democracy mm. and that uh, that plays a role, but the, the, there might be something more to it. I was speaking to my, I don't know if I get in trouble for telling this story, but I was speaking to my wife this morning and... Uh, she, she's gone back to work after seven years of raising children. And mm. She now takes the subway into Gangnam to her office. And uh, I was speaking to her about it this morning, and she said, it's much safer now. She said, because all the men are very sort of careful now with their mm. hands and because they oh. all have their smartphones. And mm. Oh, they've got something to do. They've got their... something to do, but mm. she said it's, you know, I was trying to understand how it felt different for her, but she was like, you know, she, she was born in 77, so... Mm. The subway used to be a place of a, a little Actually, bit more fear right. and closeness and touching, and there was that, and now it's become a lot more sort of personal space and boundaries, whether COVID has played any Actually, you, you've reminded me we should acknowledge that um, when, we, when we say that Korea is very safe, um, it's, I think, what you and I would be thinking is very safe for men yeah. because we come from a country where... Um, there's almost like a certain, there's a tribal mentality between young men. Mm. And uh, it's very, you have to be very careful in certain situations not to get physically assaulted yeah, get just because you're, you're there or you come from another school or something. Mm. Whereas, and, and to sort of say, okay, this doesn't happen in Korea, but actually women do... Uh, have a different experience and, and I think the distinction is there is these sort of young uh, 
thugs, let's call it, the Daily Mail calls them. Mm. Uh, mm. <clears throat> uh, it's a point of honor to, um, to, to take on another man and to maybe defend the woman. They wouldn't sort of go around thumping and they might thump their girlfriends and things. But, but I mean, yes. doing that to a woman is, is really bad form. Yeah. Whereas uh, in Korea, people tend not to go try and assault somebody who, when they run the risk of being beaten themselves, mm -hmm. they they all go for weaker people, mm -hmm. and so women don't only get sort of touched up and stuff like that, but they they can actually get insulted and insulted. Mm. You know, I think every foreign, uh, every non-Korean who's got a Korean partner has probably experienced that some sort of guys mouthing off at you at mm. the woman what are you doing with that foreigner mm. um. gender relations are a little bit different here the idea I, I think they're changing but I've heard people tell me how sort of men and women are boys and girls are separated at seven and things right. like this and there is this kind mm. of you're different and you must be treated differently whereas yeah. maybe maybe at least for me growing up it was just yes of course girls are a big mystery or something but in the end boys and girls will be friends and sit down together mm. and go to parties together i think mm. th those gender relations are, are slowly changing here um we've spoken a lot about culture and i i, I like culture just because i want to if i can before we talk about writing touch on leadership and let me let me let me start with this one because i was just speaking to jacko and i know you will have told this story before to some people but you you've got i'm, I'm jumping straight in with this one mike but you you got to meet kim il sung hmm. right like in person is that correct i haven't washed my hands since <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't think i know anybody else that has or have spoken to anyone else that has so it might be it might be a boring story for no, you no, but, not at all. but no. like how, how does that go about because what was i imagine him just to give me this but but i've always tried to he seemed like a very tall charismatic powerful man but perhaps mm. in his in his uh, when he was at his peak, mm, but big. you met him late. But g g give us Kim Il Sung in person. Um, well, I mean, he was quite old. This was shortly before he died. Um, it was in it was April sixteenth. Um, <laughs> what was the weather like? <laughs> <laughs> a balmy day, a balmy <laughs> spring day, um, nineteen ninety four. So he died in July. Then. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, anyway, I, I was in a group. There were, there were three media outlets, my Washington Times, NHK of Japan, and CNN. Mm. And we had attached ourselves to a group of um, dignitaries from other countries. Dignitaries, about four of them, I think. Mm. Um, the ambassadors or? Uh, I'm trying to remember who they were. They were like... Um, no, it was an organization of former prime ministers and things mm. like that. Okay. And the only one I can remember, there was a former governor general of Canada. Okay. His name, I honestly, I'd have to check my notes to remember who they were now. Mm. And then there was some, it, it was sort of a, a body that was going to come to, you know, April the 15th is North Korea's big. Day Kim of Il the Sun. Yeah, yeah, Kim Il-sung's birthday. It's like Christmas Day. It's the day the Titanic yeah. sank, isn't it? Um, is it the, the April, same? April 12th. Uh, 12th. Uh, hold on, just a minute. April. 
It's April 12th, isn't it? Why is they, why do they celebrate his birthday on April the 15th? I th- anyway, maybe uh, they're on a Juche calendar by then. Yeah, oh, could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, um, anyway, there was this group, and then there was some acad- from Washington. There's some academics, mm. and then there was like seven of us journalists. So altogether, about twenty people. Okay. And we were. That was a year when most of North Korea's allies, you know, communism had collapsed. Most of the allies. Um, were not sending senior delegations to this event, annual event, Kim Il-sung's thing. So we were actually either the most senior or relatively high-level group. And so we got lunch with him. It's in Pyongyang. In Pyongyang. Yeah, okay. We got lunch with him on the next day, you see, on the 16th. And um, we, there was an, uh, there was a, uh, hour and a half session with him that was like an interview mm-hmm. but it's, it wasn't interviewed by the journalist. The journalist, we were sort of tagging along, we mm-hmm. weren't sort of being journalists really um, so there was these, you know Kim Il-sung, the North Koreans are over here and then the uh, the dignitaries were here Yeah, and I was sitting in a seat behind, although at one point I got up and walked around to the side to try and get a photo Mm. Of you know Kim Il Sung had this big goiter, mm. and the bodyguard just sort of mo- moved in front of the camera. What is yeah. a goiter? A goiter is uh, like a growth on the neck. It was about oh. a fist-sized growth mm. on the neck. And <clears throat> I knew he had it. I just don't know what a goiter is. Or it, it wasn't a tumor, was it? There's a difference. It wasn't. It's benign, apparently. Okay. It's just a growth, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, anyway, there's a. And then, then we move in for, uh, did I say, it, it, w- one thing was an hour and a half, the other thing was two hours, and I forget mm. which is which now. But then we move in for the meal, which is big round table. Mm. Um, and that's when some of the journalists, not me, because I was w- with my managing editor, so I'm too junior to say anything. Yeah. Um, but people would sort of ask him questions, and mm. you know, he was very kind of gracious and... Uh, nobody, nobody tried the um, sir. You know, um, uh, human rights record. No, you, you just don't bother. Yeah. It's pointless. Yeah. You know, you're just playing for your own audience if you do stuff like that. Mm. You know? the, the the best responses with dictators are things like, um, in fact, somebody did ask. Some, so here's a good example. If you ever meet a dictator, to ask them the soft question. Someone said, "Sir, um, you've been in." A leader for a long time. Mm. What what do you do for relaxation? And this got him going. And he told this story of uh, how he said, "Well, you know, when I was younger, I used to like fishing and hunting. We even hunt bears and things like that in oh, North wow. Korea." And he said, uh, "Even now, I sometimes, um, you know, go to there's an area on the east coast where we go and hunt bear. But you know, I know actually that the soldiers." raise these tame bears and then they stand behind a tree and when they see me they push the bear out you know and it was it was a kind of dictator it's like a spoof comedy movie yeah, or something like is it dictator you know apart from me sort of never having shot anything in my life i sort of thought well, but <laughs> poor baby it's off but fun uh, laughing at himself you know that's fine so the other thing that struck me was that his responses to things showed that he was living 
in the past in the it, everything was seemed to be framed in terms of the Japanese occupation mm. or the Korean War mm. but he was very gracious he would say with all due respect to our Japanese guests from NHK and uh, as, as you know we fought a war against America you know mm. uh, and uh, but CNN CNN was desperate to try and get him to agree to do an interview and uh, he, they tried several ways. It actually got a bit embarrassing. Um, mm. But he finally said, uh, I have no wish to thrust myself upon the world. That's how it was translated wow. into English. And uh, so then on the way out, um, uh, on, at the beginning, we all queued up to shake his hands. And I decided to jump out of the queue. And I went up. Near, near beside him to take pictures mm. and listen to the little interaction between people. Mm. But on the way out, we shook hands, and uh, I shook hands with him, and I told him in Korean that I was the sole correspondent. Mm. Um, I thought he might sort of go, oh, that's interesting, you know, something. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like he wasn't there, you know, okay. like, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, we got told after that he'd actually, he was already sick and he'd mm. actually got out of bed to come for the meeting with us and then back to bed again. So he wasn't, he wasn't all there, uh, all there mm. it felt like. Or he just sort of thought, well, um, who do you think you are, you little, you know. Yeah. Do you, do you get a sense when you're around, I mean, because there you are shaking hands with a man that would run a country of 25 million people that would be personified and I I, I saw that wonderful photo of you and Kim Dae-jung and Paul Shin where he's talking mm. to you over a wall and I had to mm. I, I had to stop for a second though it's like which one's Mike oh that one's Mike because you look very different I had hair right? <laughs> that's what caught me at first and I couldn't see your face it was to the yeah. side but um before I ask you about Kim Dae-jung and do you get a sense when you're standing in front of people like that that will be pivotal figures in a nation that will lead, that, 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 whose names get written down? Or is it just, no, this is a person and they're just like, they'll tell a joke or they're not all there. Is there a, a special sense when you're in the presence of someone like that? Or is that not um, there? Is that a weird well, question? No, but I, no, I see it's... Um, I mean, you have to... Bear in mind that the the reporter is work. It's work, right. you know. And the thing is, when you're a reporter, I mean, I've had the experience of people coming to Korea, like famous people. Say, I can't think of an example, but um, and oh, they're having a press event. Uh, some say, oh, Mike, are you going? So, oh, I can't be bothered. You know, it's like yeah. you're not interested yeah. because it's work, right? You know. Um, and if you don't have to cover it, then what's the point? It's not, oh, yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. If it was sort of Mick Jagger or, you know, I used to like mountaineering, so if any famous mountaineer came along, I would have jumped to see them. But politicians stuff, I'm not, so, no. you know. But um, uh, the thing is with the, at the time, you just see them for what they are. Here's the leader of an opposition in a country. No, nobody really thought... Um, one year from now, there will be democracy. Mm -hmm. You know, and you, no one's really... I mean, I, I had a sort of a gut feeling that things were just getting better all the time, but nobody... And, and even when I expressed that, people thought I was mad. 
Mm. Sorry, what what do you mean there'll be democracy eventually? Didn't you see what's on the streets now? Um, you know, this is I, I have the same thing now with when I tell people I think China will become a democracy. Nobody believes me, but uh, uh, that's based on my experience in Korea. Mm. I don't see where else they're going. Mm. You know, it'll be their own version of it. But uh, um, but uh, Kim Dae Jung, he he was charismatic in a. I mean, often that feeling is created by the people around them. In, in other words, um, when you meet a Kim Dae Jung, you're not you're not bumping into him in the convenience store. It's not oh, one on one. Yeah, yeah, DJ, how's it going, mate? No. Um, there's always sort of people around, you know. But he was um, Kim Dae Jung. Actually, I, I knew him very well, um, and the, our small group of half a dozen journalists, the correspondents would have lunch with Kim Dae-jung um, and Kim Young-sam about once every month or six weeks or so. Wow. One time we'd pay, one time they'd pay. You know, we sort of, it was quite, was it six weeks? I can't remember. Anyway, it was very often. Mm. And I'd often ring, ring up his house and talk to him directly and stuff like that. And so I got to know him better uh, and People liked him better. One reason was simply that he spoke English, which mm -hmm. helped. Uh, the other was that uh, he he was driven by something and um, had a sort of feeling of destiny about him and had suffered. Mm. Uh, I remember once sitting next to him in his house, um, about six, seven of us around the table, having like, sitting next to him, listening to him talk, and getting a bit choked up because I just sort of felt he... You know, why are you taking all this on? You know, there was there were riot police. We had to come through the riot police. The riot police blocked. Uh, only foreign diplomats and foreign journalists were allowed through. Mm. So why, you know, why do you take all this on? Uh, Kim Young Sam was um, a bit of a different personality. He was not not as thoughtful, not as intellectual, and. Uh, uh, Kim Dae Jung is the sort of person. If you say, Mr. Kim, why, why do you want to be the president? Mm. He would sort of go one, two, three, four. Yeah. Kim Young Sam uh, couldn't really answer a question like that. It's like, well, I don't know. Why are you interviewing me? <laughs> you know, it's sort <laughs> it's of. A, a, uh, it's Monday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What What kind of suffering uh, are you pointing to with um, DJ or Kim Dae Jung? Because I remember seeing pictures of him with a cane or, or walking. I'm not mm. sure if that was a, with, with with the suffering. Is that psychological? Is that physical? Or, or what well, are you pointing was, to with that? He was uh, the 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 f difficulty in walking came from a an accident that they believe was a, a truck hit the car he was in. They believe it was targeted. This mm. is in the Park Chung-hee era. So he was targeted then. And then under Chun Doo-wan, he was actually sentenced to death um, and then reprieved. Um, he, he was never brutalized in prison. He was too famous for that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, he nevertheless sort of took on this sort of role to fight for democracy um, and it never seemed like it was going to come, oh. you know. So that that's what I mean. Uh, that suffering in that sense, you know. There's a there's a beautiful picture of his uh, inauguration, 
mm. where he's standing there with his hand over his heart with his uh, wife, the first lady next mm. to him. And in the background, you can see Kim Yong-sam, yeah. Noto and Chandu-wan. Chandu yeah. And he wanted them all to be yeah. there despite yeah. despite them, or, or Chandu-wan, Noto, having given him a death sentence at one yeah. point uh, and done that. And he thought, oh, when I see that picture, I just think, mm. wow, what a move that is by him. Well, he, this came from his... Um, uh, I think, and there's some people a little bit cynical, think he was just political, but uh, he was a Catholic, mm. and his wife, I think his wife was very religious, and I think it came from a sort of a Christian forgiveness, but also a political, a realization that for this country to function, we have to break the cycle of revenge, mm. and frankly, we haven't managed that yet. If you look the way each administration persecutes the previous one, yeah. um, you know, so he uh, uh, he recognized the need for that, uh, which is why he would insist that whatever he personally thought of Chunduan, mm. uh, he was the uh, formal president of the country. Uh, you know, therefore he should be here in the inauguration. Mm. This mm. sort of idea of. Uh, I'll pick who I want in my inaugur or inauguration. You know, we're actually in the world. You know, if you look at all this kind of the wokeness of the world, we're, we're moving in certainly in Western intellectual circles into a very, very judgmental yeah. type of environment. You know, oh, well, this president he said the N word in an email about ten years ago, so he's not coming to my inauguration. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, it's, no, this guy sentenced me to death, but he will be there because he, I, I, I want to show respect for the institution, of, you know. And, so. and to build forward and to do something better. And like you mm. say, to break that cycle. Mm. Uh, because it doesn't, it feels like Korea is not learning the le that important lesson that Kim Dae-jung was trying to teach mm. at that point. And that, that to me is, uh, I've also heard people that say that that was the height of, uh, liberal media during Kim Dae-jung's time when that was and, and, and since then this was um, Lee Tae-jung uh, mm. the, the director from KBS mm. oh, yeah. he, he, he said mm. it was about that period where you could fly back and forth and since then he believes it's sort of they've mm. pushed it either side I don't know if this might be telling tales out of school or I, I have no idea how you're going to respond to this question so please forgive me if it's not a nice one um, Donald Kirk mm. the journalist mm. um he wrote a book called Korea Betrayed, which sort of mm. put Kim Dae-jung in a bad light yeah. uh, for, for what he did with the, the sunshine policy, mm. for engaging with North Korea. Do you have a take on that? Well, I think what Don Kirk did in his book is he, um, he established that the summit meeting with Kim Jong-il, North mm. Korea in 2000, for which Kim Dae-jung got the Nobel Prize, or mm -hmm. at least it was the main reason he got the Nobel Peace Prize that year, uh, was bought, um, and for a lot of money. 500 million, I 500 believe, million, right. and the money was provided by Hyundai. Hyundai also provided other money for other things. Mm. It, was, it was leading the charge on North Korea, and uh, then the chairman of Hyundai uh, committed suicide at some point, where presumably when it looked like um, the investigation was getting close to him or something. So um, none of this, uh, you know, let, let's face it, um, Kim Dae-jung 
was an opposition politician from the 60s. He rose to prominence in the early 70s as a compromise. The opposition party decided they needed young youngsters mm. to run against Park Chung-hee. Mm. And between Kim Dae-jung, Kim Young-sam, another leader called Lee Chol-sung, Kim Dae-jung won. Mm. And so from then, he, as the opponent of Park Chung-hee, he was thrust to the forefront of things in a dictatorship. So 20 years in dictatorship, yeah. how are you going to raise money? You're going to do some funny money stuff. Mm. And, you know, I heard, I, I asked somebody once, um, uh, even in, this is in the early 90s, I, when Kim Dae-jung just lost his fourth presidential elections before he was president, <laughs> yeah, why why is he still the leader of the party in mm. in say America? If you lose a, an election, that's we, we you're forgotten. You know that's it. Mm. Um, and the person told me I forget the figures now. I think it was three hundred million. He said, he said, you know, our party needs about three hundred million won a month to operate. Mm. He's the only person who, with one phone call, can get can get that money. Wow. And they described things of sacks of money being dragged along the. This is before the fifty thousand one notes. So yeah. Ten, yeah. You know, and <laughs> so, you know, the idea that you've got to pay off North Korea to do something like that, that hasn't gone away. You know, if we want progress with North Korea, mm. um, we might have to do that. It's only what he didn't realize, though. I think he was deluding himself a bit. Um, when uh, he thought this was a price to pay for improved ties and that ties would improve and that mm. things would get better. And I think it's complete misreading of North Korea that you suffered from. And I think the Noam Hyun had the same problem and I think Moon Jae-in had the same problem. They actually are not... They're fantasizing about what they're dealing with mm. and not really... Um, you know, I, I actually think the the what we call the conservatives, like Lee Myung Bak, Park Geun-hye, Yoon, now the current mm. president, the the breakthrough with North Korea is probably more likely to come with people like that than it is with the the other side until they drop their fantasy. Mm. So I think I think yeah, Don Kirk's book sort of put all that in on the it went into that in some detail and it exposed it all. And I think that's that's a good thing. And if I remember rightly, it's uh, Kim Dae Jung actually broke South Korean law in the process. I mean, in other words, while it was understandable that you pay off North Korea, mm. it should have probably been done in a more, you know, according to our own standards. Yeah, you know, we have to live by our own values and standards. And uh, I think he broke that. I can. It's not for me to judge, but you can. You, when you said about this fantasy of North Korea, you can perhaps maybe forgive Kim Dae Jung because it hadn't really yeah. been tried, and yeah. and so I, I think with ex President Moon Jae in, maybe it's a little bit different because mm. it's we've been down this road, we know where it mm. goes, but we've. Can I pick up two threads? Because I, I want to make sure I get to this writing aspect before we mm. run out of time. I want to pick up two threads. One is you mentioned Kim Dae Jung, Kim Yong Sam, and then Yi Chol Song. Lee Chol Sung. I'm going to be. Sung, I don't. No, he's he's not uh, well known, but he was uh, quite a 
fascinating character. Mm. He was a real right winger. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was. Uh, I think he was a career university student leader mm. in the nineteen forties, and they uh, as a and, and a rightist mm. who engaged in probably physically punch ups and things mm. with left. There was a lot of left right violence then. Mm. So he was um, on the political spectrum. You would get Kim Dae Jung, who was sort of center left. Mm-hmm. Kim Young Sam center right, and then Lee Jo Sung right, you know, further right. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think um, in the in the Korean spectrum, I don't think we should think in British or American terms when we think of that. that it's left a different right. thing. Yeah, uh, you're, we're, very we're, different. That, that's a huge mistake. I see so well, going off on this thing. I see so many, so much commentary by uh, non-Koreans um, assuming, picking up these words, right, left, conservative, liberal, far right, far left, and mm. assuming they know what that means in the Korean context. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very different. And and, and the, the frustrating thing about it is, is it's like, okay, this President Yoon, he's a conservative rightist or whatever, mm. therefore I disapprove of him. Mm. They don't know what they're talking about. No. You know, so it's very, very agree with you. frustrating, but very common now, uh, that sort of, that labeling. But anyway, each son, get back to him. He, and it's he was just a, very quickly, it's, just, yeah. it's seeing, it's not seeing Korea through Korean eyes. It's they're bringing yeah, their own yeah. uh, understanding of those words, their own baggage with mm. them and, and failing to see it in the context, aren't yeah, they? I, I think yeah. is the problem. Yeah, sorry. Each other song, this, this song, Korean yeah. writer that likes yeah. throwing fists. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, I knew him actually. Um, was he a big guy? Was he what did he, he, was he, he, a, he look like? He was a like? big guy. He spoke English, and uh, I went to. He had an office in Jongno. I remember going there some years ago. I forget when he died now, but he he would have been what born in like twenty nineteen twenty five nineteen thirty around that time. So he must have died like twenty years ago. Or something. I remember going to his office and. Say, ah, oh, Mr. Bree, how are you? You know, like, yeah. and uh, yeah. and he he calls somebody, yeah, yeah, coffee, coffee, and and he, but he's doing it to like an eighty-year-old man, you know. <laughs> um, it was that sort of way of behavior. Yeah. The um, you know, he was quite a character, but his political career sort of seemed to didn't sort of go. But he no, he was he was one of the young bloods at that yeah. time. That's a that's yeah. a new name for me. Yeah. Um, last one on this one. Um, you mentioned Hyundai Chairman committing suicide mm. when things were coming. Um, I I didn't put any of this in the notes, but sometimes I've tried to impress on my students that um, we said the words left and right don't mean the same in Korea as they mm. do. Can the same be said about suicide here? Because growing up, you use this word like in this Christian nation or wherever people mm. might grow up. Suicide is you're not meant to do that. You go yeah. to limbo or purgatory or, yeah. or whatever the beliefs might be. It's it's God that uh, chooses life and death and things yeah. like that. But over here, it seems to be, I'm not sure, but people use it as a way of demonstrating yeah. innocence or demonstrating yeah. goodness. That if you see it through Korean eyes, not for every case, but mm. there is a different resonance here with suicide. Yeah. It has a... Um... A very different. Meaning. I mean, the, there isn't the Christian historically the Christian prohibition mm. against it that you described. Um, this is, uh, um, you know, in in the Christian world historically, uh, your this is pretty sinful thing to do. You know, 
and and I, I think um, suicides didn't get buried where other people. There was all sorts of right. uh, manifestations of that in mm. social behaviour and stuff. Um, but in this part of the world, uh, suicide suicide is often seen as like the ultimate protest. It, it, it's the when you have no other recourse. Mm. Um, this is something you can do. There was something, you just reminded me, I forget the details of this, but Jacko and other people, uh, have you talked to Brian Myers? Brian? Uh, oh. Only by email. Oh, he's a okay. wonderful guy. He helps me with every question I might oh. ask because he's got a very abrasive personality yeah. in blogs and writing. But whenever I send an email, I ask oh, he's a question. Very, he's, very, he's, very, yeah, he's, he's very good. Courteous, um, generous. So, Brian, or... Andre Lankoff, they all know this better than, better than me. That, that, but there's some. I think in North Korea, there's some. I mean, you would think there wouldn't be a punishment for suicide, but I think the families of suicides then. So, uh, I know where I when I found this out. I was ghostwriting a defector's book, and mm -hmm. her father uh, committed suicide. Mm. Uh, he took pills in the hospital, uh, was taken to hospital, and mm. they, uh, his wife uh, conspired, bribed the doctor to, to write on the death certificate that heart failure or something. That was it. That was it. And the reason being that suicide is such a devastating form of protest. And so in North Korea, Ooh. that's how they... You, you imagine... Um, you know, North Koreans committing suicide, you know, do, like the, the monks in Vietnam or that sort of thing against Kim Il-sung. This would be hugely emotive mm. uh, and rile people up. Mm. Um, so it's not the, the people don't see that as sinful in that sense. It's more like this person has been driven to, to this and then they're so almost like innocent victims of what it was they were protesting against, and now we mm. are required to take action, you know, so it's a different thing. That, it's fascinating that in North Korea, yeah, it would be seen as protesting, like the state is not worth living in, or, yeah. or the, the, the glorious leader has not yeah. built something good enough mm. for me to want to inhabit. Yeah, because it is different here. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there is mm. something about... It's seen as a protest. It's seen as innocence. We've seen mm. very high-profile figures, and yeah. uh, it does seem to go differently. There's a lot of student suicide. There's a whole spate of student suicides around, I think, the early 90s, even after democracy, so they weren't related to democratization. There's mm. more other th protesting about North Korea and so on. And, uh, uh, and then failed suicide. You know, people, that is pretty, pretty tragic. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's a very dark subject. I didn't mm -hmm. mean to go there, but it, it, it's something that comes up a lot in the international press, those yeah. figures and, and things well, that come out. Know, and it's just about trying to understand it. Yeah. To save lives. Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes there's another form. Of, now, sorry, I got went off because we've been talking about politics and mm. the sort of suicide as protest. But the other part of it, um, Korea has uh, the fourth highest suicide rate in the world, I believe. And uh, um, a lot of that apparently is elderly people when they yeah. fall sick don't want to be a burden. So they just don't take their medicine or they whatever, you know. That. So there may even be more th deaths that aren't 
classify, mm-hmm. um, character, um, categorize as suicide, mm. but it's uh, things like that. And a lot of it is economic related, and uh, so it's it, it gives you a, a sense. This is something we haven't really talked about, but the the level of distress uh, in this society is you know this is not a happy society, despite th- how much affection you and I have for it and mm. how much we admire and how much Korea is admired in the world mm. it's not at one with itself in a that collective sense lowest birth rate in the world fourth highest suicide rate tells mm. you something you know are these I, I agree with you um, is it possible that it's teething problems is the wrong word and I don't mean to be insensitive but with the compressed modernity mm. with this rapid urbanization of bringing people especially if mm. we're talking people that are elderly born in the 40s 50s if they look around this city they might think this is not the career that i know or it's very different mm. from what i'm used to is it is it an effect and once things level out then we might see more stability or do do you think that there's there there is or another question would be to frame it like this is any country really at peace with itself or at one with itself in that well, sense? Yeah, true. That's, that's a good point. Um, uh, I don't know what the answer is, but there's, there's, a, there's a highly competitive edge to Korea. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there is a, um, a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, family relations aren't always great. A lot of pressure in families. Mm. Um, and there aren't many, you know, if you don't do well at education, for example, there's not the, your, your options get really get lowered, you know, there are, so, uh, but there's also not been, not until recently been a great awareness of the need for, you know, counseling and that sort of internal, you know, mental health yeah. issues. There's this program on t- now, I don't know if you watch it, um, what is it? I forgot the name of it. With uh, oh, Paksa, oh, yeah, it's um, um, it's called something like Gumseki, Gumseki, or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Our golden children, yeah. And this is riveting people, and this lady has become a rock star. Yeah, and it's pointing to the need for. Different approach to relations, particularly parenting mm-hmm. and things like that. So that this is all hopeful. I think. I'll tell you a story about that program in particular. Mm. Uh, they've been on my case for about a month, wanting me to take my children on the show. Multiple phone calls. Really? Uh, yeah. And my wife is uh, really wants to meet the rock star right. child yeah. psychologist, um, but little bit hesitant because I'm like my children don't have problems like I have problems if you want to deal with my uh, like addictions and alcoholism and things like this I will take the treatment but these programs they do have to construct narratives and you know uh, our kids they're not angels but they're pretty happy and healthy sorry can I can, can we pick this up yeah no no don't apologize I, I I've kept you here far too long we are nearly oh, finished right, I right. promise that's that's kind of um that's fascinating. So they they want you. Oh, someone hasn't called up and said, "Hey, you want a foreigner with kids who are really," uh, but it, it's more that they just because they sometimes have celebrities on there yep. who just open up. So mm-hmm. it's more in that vein, right? 
I, I, I'm not sure, but they've made three phone calls thus far and they've asked, mm. asked to speak to my wife as well and and i i must say they're very nice when i speak yeah. to them but i i'm just a, a little bit hesitant about using my children yeah. uh, on, on television if it yeah. were me and things like that i i'm you know i, I pick and choose my battles wisely yeah. um but for my children i'm a little bit more hesitant yeah. i would like them to be able to make their own decisions and not to grow up and see mm. because it is about constructing narratives yeah. sometimes right yeah. and so but that's a big thing these days. Yeah, it is, it yeah, is yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, <clears throat> I want to I bring this towards the, the final stretch. Um, this next section of question that I want to speak to you about is just purely selfish, hmm. which is, <laughs> <laughs> this is nothing to do oh, with Korea, Korean yeah. studies, Mike. But like, why are you such a good writer? Oh, so, yeah. This is the blunt version of the question, but mm. um, your books I use on my, my syllabus for contemporary Korean studies. Mm. I find them immensely readable. You said earlier yourself that you're not an academic, and I, I, I think that's in your favor. Mm. There's none of this. Sometimes you read stuff and like, I don't understand what they're saying. Well, I'm an intelligent yeah. guy, but they use all these words and things that I don't get. But your writing is there. Now, you've been doing it an incredibly long time, I guess. Mm. How do you write? Uh, is there, are there any particular approaches that you take? Was there something you were told as a young man and it stuck with you? Can, can you tell me about the, the art, the craft, please? Mm. Uh, well, it's very kind of you to say that. I, uh, <clears throat> I, um, <clears throat> I had dinner a few years ago with Colin Marshall, who you had on here, mm -hmm. and another expat, and uh, we were sort of talking about stuff and my my book was just coming out new koreans and and i said i said to them that i i finally think i'm okay as a writer as everything until now everything i've written i kind of there's something that mm. wants me to edit or cr cringe you know i know thing. and uh they sort of thought i was being i think what well, colin thought i was being sort of falsely modest and mm. you know sort of for them to turn to me and say oh no no you're fine um but it was it, it was genuine and I, and I think there's something in writing that is like that like you are your you to be able to do it you have to be your own best critic or worst mm. critic rather mm. and when the critic finally goes okay you know often the critic shut up, shuts up because you have a deadline mm. But then when you read something you've written before, you know. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And this is the trouble, you know, with uh, Career Times columns. You know, your columns are very good. I actually read yours and think, my God, you know, how long did you spend on that? Because they're, you know, newspaper columns are normally, you bang them out and they then are. you read it the old day, you get and think, oh, God, that's not very. Mm. Uh, but yours are, are very sort of filled with detail and ideas deadline and pushed though you know every week every, week every week every week i don't miss yeah. what was it that changed when you uh, when you felt <clears throat> satisfied was there anything you were able to put your finger on i don't know it's partly you know it it is partly um the ideas or it's, it's basically the ideas or what it is you're trying to say Mm. And then it's the craft. And these things are actually interwoven. I don't know if you found this, but I found when I f was first writing, my ideas got pulled along by the words I was 
you know, and I couldn't say what I meant and meant what I said type yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, I think uh, there's something... Uh, uh, I, I, it's very difficult for me to answer this because, as, a, as I said earlier, that I'm not a, someone... Uh, you know, I could have got books out and studied this. I have written some books on writing. Oh, wow. And this is after... I'd been writing for years, so then they, they mean something. But I never mm. started off doing that. Um, and uh, I sort of picked up things along the way. I mean, a big a big thing for journalism and in modern writing that is now changing, I noticed, because a lot of online writing is brevity. You know, it's this uh, idea that, you know, you, you take two pages of something you've written Mm. Okay, now reduce it to to one, without losing meaning. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's this sort of Hemingway esque style comes out where everything is reduced down. Yeah, snack culture as well, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah, but I, uh, I think it's also. Um, I I do my thinking when I'm writing. Oh, I know, I know what I think. What I could maybe say is uh, there are a lot of things in life that you don't do to perfection that you you know you haven't got time to do everything well mm. I mean, like I couldn't cook to save myself but I don't care <laughs> you know things like that um, I mm. never quite know what clothes to wear mm. my wife tells me oh that doesn't look good and, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, you know I buy clothes because they look good in the shop on the, the, the mannequin <laughs> but then when I put the you know it, it's like whereas if I was a real natural fashionista <clears throat> or designer mm. I'd sort of study, you know, how colors go together. Um, so I've been a bit like that with writing, like my own writing. Mm. I'm a terrible judge of other writing. Uh, I tend to think that anything that's in print, unless it's obviously bad, yeah. um, or I have tended to think that it's good, you know. Mm. And so there's so many different ways to write. There are. Um, and so... I think ultimately what matters is what are the ideas there being presented, even if they're not presented uh, well. Mm. The ideas take precedence over uh, the style, I think. And so I notice now writing that uh, where style, uh, you know, you can admire people for style mm. and then think, hey, what are they actually saying? You know, there's a lot of very obscure writing. Like I read last year, I finally read Ulysses. Okay. And I've been an admirer. I did James Joyce for A-level, so I've been an yeah. admirer of James Joyce for years. And I read Ulysses, but I sort of think now, what is the point of all? You know, that is the, that's the idea <laughs> of Ulysses. Yeah. It's, it's the ultimate style over, or Proust mm. and Search mm. of Lost Time. Yeah. yeah. 1920s yeah. approach. I recently read some novels by... American authors that I hadn't heard of before mm. from the sort of 50s, 60s era. Janet Lewis, John Williams, James Salter. James Salter wrote, he was an he was an Air Force pilot, a fighter pilot in the Korean War. Oh, wow. And he wrote a book, a, a novel about that. He's, uh, he's sort of Hemingway-ish, but his choice of phrase, I mean, he, he smacks you in the face with the beauty of his sentences. Um, extraordinary. John uh, Williams Stoner? Stoner. Yeah. I picked that up thinking it would be about something else, and uh, yeah. it just destroyed me, that yeah. book. I just felt so... 
despondent by yeah, it. Just, yeah, just give up. Uh, yeah, but, but that's powerful writing because yeah. I didn't finish it and go, nothing. Yeah. It physically yeah. affected me, that book. Yeah, I picked that up in the Kilbo. Okay. It must you know, it must have been republished or something, I forget, but I picked yeah. it up recently and then just sort of Googled about him mm. and then, then I got the names of these two other Janet Lewis, Janet James Lewis. James Salter. James Um you know, so that kind of right, and then I sort of think this is the greatest thing, greatest sort of. Right. And then you know, then I'll read something else and think this is. So, I think you have to find your own voice. The other thing I read recently, something I thought was kind of very true, but it's like to to write well, you have to have courage. Uh, in other words, um, if you ever find yourself editing yourself. Mm. Mm. Out of sort of oh you know people criticize me. I don't mean I don't mean like criticize you politically. More like just oh that's stupid. Yeah. You're probably you should check yourself because yeah. um, um, you know it's like for example if you have writing that's got too many you know however on the other hand of course another way of looking at this is a, is all means you're not very confident in what you're saying. Mm. So <clears throat> there needs to be confidence, but at the same time. A person who starts off confident is not going to develop the craft because you need that little lawyer slash editor in your head mm. sitting on your shoulder going, well, that's rubbish. <laughs> Sometimes that lawyer slash editor is yeah. quite large, isn't yeah. it? It's quite powerful. <clears throat> so I'm sorry, I can't really answer the question very well. But it's uh, the other thing is it's it's something I've always wanted to be good at. Mm. And... Uh, um, I'm still, you know, you, you're sort of never satisfied, basically, you know. Yeah. I've often said um, that once I write the perfect column, I'll retire. And I haven't done it yet <laughs> after however many years yeah. of writing a yeah. column every week. Um, but what, what I picked up from you there, Mike, was that I think you have to read. So you yeah. read and, and you need to read. I to never be able was to write. A I never I was always aware that uh, for years I didn't read. Mm. And uh, because, you know, I studied English literature and English literature at university killed my, <laughs> you know. I can imagine. And, and what it does, it, it's worse than killing your desire to read literature. It, it does that. But at the same time, it makes you guilty <coughs> reading um, page turners. You know, like if you like spy novels or something, yeah. you feel guilty. So <coughs> I finally shed that. Um, it's about seven or eight years ago. Uh, my son gave me a very, very badly written novel um, for a Christmas present mm. because it was written by a, an expat in finance in Hong Kong. And he, thought, okay. he said, Dad, do you know this guy? I said, no. He said, well, he's written a novel here. Happy Christmas. And <clears throat> I read that and I decided I opened up a file in mm. the computer when I finished it, put the name of the book and the author. And then I decided to, and that actually pushed me along. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing it ever since. Mm. And, uh, you know, I read about 40, 50 books a year, something like that. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. I went through last year, went through Lord of the Rings. and <clears throat> You're reading the Bible at the moment, if I, I remember. The, Bi the Bible. I've, I've, I realize that I, you know, we're all familiar with the Bible, mm -hmm. but I'd never, <clears throat> never in my life, mm. Uh, honestly, I don't think once sat down and thought, okay, I'll read 
through the Bible. A- anytime I've read anything biblical, it's sort of come my way. Yeah. As a quote or something like that. Some good quotes in there to you. Well, you know, yeah. Some like, yeah. And um, so <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm on Joshua now, which is the fifth, the sixth book of, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting the New Testament as well, so I'm sort of doing some parallels. Just um, and uh, I'm sort of thinking, that's funny. I never read this before, but a lot of it just seems familiar. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. Is there reading? Is one I took from you. <clears throat> Having courage was another one. Having ideas. One of mm. my one of my favourite critics is um, a gentleman. He owns the Bray Republic in Itaewon. His name oh. is Chris bald guy South African African. guy Mm. and uh, he he will tell me if my article's rubbish one week he's a very very good friend of mine and uh, about a couple of months ago I wrote this one and I was a bit scared of it and I put this um, paragraph at the top in italics which was like Mm. this is just an idea or something like this Mm. and the Korea Times they never normally edit my work but they, Mm. they took that paragraph took the italics out put it at the bottom and so it ended like that and he phoned me up and he said Never do that again. Never apologize for your work. Like, if you write it, write it. But don't uh, defend yourself to the masses or something like that. So there was a similar idea. You've got, I think you've got to have courage and uh, mean it. Well, I'll follow you. I'll follow them from now and I'll give you some feedback. (laughs) No, that's that's petrifying. (laughs) That's the worst thing I've ever heard. But um, is there another, but thank you. I do appreciate it. Mm. uh, Is there another book in you? Yes. Well, I'm, you know, uh, being a young fellow, I haven't really uh, <laughs> arrived in life at what I re- really want to do, which, uh, <clears throat> since I was young, is to be a novelist. So uh, <clears throat> I've uh, I've written my first novel, and uh, uh, I, I won't talk about it because I'm kind of a bit superstitious mm, yeah, in that yeah, way. I get that. Um, I get and that. I've got two more drafted out, um, drafted in, you know, just the idea, basically. Mm. Um, and there is a non-fiction book that I'm working on at the moment. So the the I'm actually toying with the idea of publishing it, the novel in Korean, mm. in Korea first, mm. and then doing the English. Oh wow! Partly, partly because um, this is where I live. Yeah, um, I like that. And and partly because you know the publishing world. Of course, you can self-publish, but. Publishing world is uh, <coughs> is uh, it's not easy, and I, I'm not sure how interested they'll be in a old white um, you know guy writing his first novel. Because mm. I, I think there are thousands of us around with our first <laughs> <laughs> our first and only novel <coughs> that we finally at publish. least thousands. <laughs> we, we finally pay you know the printer to publish ourselves, and then. Yeah. So, you know, I thought I might give myself a chance. Do you have a take on self-publishing? It seems to be coming a thing. I, I've seen more and more people mm. sort of because you get it out quickly, you have mm. control over it, you don't have to wait years or something like that. Uh, Do you know anything about it or uh, any? I, I'm not really familiar with it. I, I've been quite lucky for because the first book I wrote, um, I was asked actually two other um, British journalists in Seoul at the mm. time were asked before me and uh, by a publisher who was doing a business book, business books in Asia and, and had one on China, one on Japan, both written by journalists and mm. wanted one on Korea. And they both recommended me because they weren't interested in doing it. So that's how I got my first start. And I appreciated the uh, 
I mean, you don't make a lot of money out of it, but um, it's all there done for you. Yeah. And you get the sort of the reputation, if you like. Mm -hmm. The book is sort of... So <clears throat> with self-publishing, I would be afraid that um, I wouldn't move more than 10 copies you yeah. know, uh -huh. to my family at Christmas, and that's about it. Is it, is, is it a nice feeling walking into Kyobo and where, where you walk past John Williams, then you see your books on the shelf? Um, I've always wanted to have written a book in the past. Yeah. <laughs> and there it you is, are. It is the, these things, um, these things like that that seem sort of really, oh, my God, that would mm. be something. Uh, you pass them by. I, I always remember when I got my first passport thinking <laughs> I'd love to put... Uh, occupation writer. Okay. This would be like this would put me up there with James Joyce. <laughs> the others I did studied at A level, D. H. Lawrence, and me. And um, so the first time getting the book in Kyobo was mm. sort of interesting. Uh, now I just sort of I usually go and check and see uh, see if there's any copies in there. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, somebody sent me a photo uh, of a lady a couple of years ago mm. on at a tube station in London on the platform reading my book and so they, they the first one or the second one the second one yeah and so they took a photo of it and sent it to me and that is kind of uh, you know I met um, Bill Bryson the you know the author. yeah wow what and a writer he is yeah and uh, he uh, actually, I'm just listening to one of his books on audio when I'm driving, mm. Mother Tongue, which I'd read before. It's about the English language, really good. Um, <clears throat> anyway, he had uh, uh, he was telling me um, we were talking about this, and he told me a story when he was on a plane, mm. and his son sort of said, "Dad, the person up there is reading a book," mm. you know. And then they, the person reading it saw the commotion and then sort of got embarrassed. And so, anyway, he told this story, and I'm sort of thinking, Bill Price, but don't you see that? Isn't that like a daily experience? Right. So, seeing seeing your book up there, you know, it's all. And then you you keep going on to the next one. Yeah. yeah. I I'm very happy to hear that there are more books coming. Yeah. Whatever so. they might be. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. How do, how do you know Bill Bryson? Is it just in the in, in literary he, circles, or no, is there is there a it personal? Was, uh, it was actually um, in the uh, um, World Cup in 2002. I got a call from the, was it from him? I think I got an email from him. But he, he had called the British Embassy. He, he was commissioned by the Times, the London mm. Times, mm. Um, to do a couple of features on Korea just before the World Cup started. Okay. As a sort of opener. Yeah. So he came here and he walked around Seoul and he did a couple of stories. Oh, he did one in here and then one in Japan. Japan. Something like that. And uh, um, so he rang up the embassy and asked if they, is anyone, if I, I think, no, I think he asked if they knew how to get in touch with me or something because he'd read my book. Mm. Or, or, yeah, anyway, it was connected to the book. Yeah. So that's how it happened. So we, we met and had some lunch and then. I arranged a dinner for him with sort of half a dozen foreign correspondents in Itaewon, you know, so we had a good time, time with him, yeah. yeah. 
For anybody listening that doesn't know, the Koreans and the new Koreans both highly recommended. To understand Korea, I, I'll make sure to link them in this, mm -hmm. but I've, I was thinking, I wonder if that woman on the tube station was my mum, because I mean, I've sent it to her and she was, when people ask oh, me, it's, well, a, it's one of the first ones that I go for. But is your mum black? And about 25? <laughs> no. With glasses. No, with glasses. No, no. no okay. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. But it would be nice if she were. She's coming over uh, on Monday. Mm. She, she's back over mm. on Monday. So oh, she, I, yeah. She, she I, comes here a lot. That's why I'm not having dinner you with you and yeah, Colin right. and Jacko. My yeah. apologies. I would okay. love to be there. Yeah. Um, but mums are mums. Uh, okay. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, we'll be we're in Gangwondo. So when oh. I pick her up for the airport, then... My kids are out in Kangwondo, ah. so we stay out there. Um, Is that what you live out there? Or you... Kids are out there, yeah, oh. and I have a place in Seoul and school? go back better and forth. School better school and mm. yeah. Where, whereabouts are they? Wontong, which is next to Inje. Inje, oh Inje. Oh, so Inje, yeah. it, it's in the center and it's up so, above the thirty-eight. Actually, yeah, yeah. Inje is like what, two or three hours. It takes me an hour and forty minutes. That's fast. Wow. Well, if you go at the right time of day, yeah, yeah it's an hour and 40. Yeah. So it's not too bad. It takes me an hour and 40 minutes to get across Seoul sometimes, yeah. the wrong time of day. Mm. Um, but clean, nice air. And I'm a mm. country boy at mm. heart. And it's good for the kids, I think, mm. for now. And um, it's not easy to live in Seoul, apartment mm. prices and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, if we were rich, and we, it would be different. But um, professors don't make a lot of money. Yeah, no, it's... It's uh, that's a whole other theme. Yeah, to. yeah. yeah. Um, let's let, let's close this up with two. Mm. Um, Mike, advice for young people. Advice for young people in twenty. You, you said you had a son, so you you used mm. to this. I didn't. I didn't. I got six kids. Yeah. You got six kids. Yeah. Wow. Four boys and two girls. What's, what's the difference between the oldest and youngest? I'm sorry, this fascinates um, me. <clears throat> from tw eleven to thirty. Oh, wow. So, wow. Um, That's old. So advice then for, for young people these days. You're the perfect person to ask. Um, I, it's not sort of necessarily career specific. No. Uh, I'm kind of, I mentioned earlier about wokeism. I, I've actually, um, I'm not looking and reading so much about, I'm kind of letting a lot of what's happening in Korea go by me these days. And, I'm really <clears throat> reading up about this because uh, the 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 woke movement mm. and the the how politics has become so sort of you know heavy mm. um, because I'm trying to understand it because I don't think it's a superficial thing I think there's a some deep sort of new way of thinking that's that's going to rise up and maybe might just fade or it might just die out with a generation or, mm. or transform it, and it, I can see it could also transform in a radical way and so I'm trying to get my head around this and so my advice to people is um, is not it is not to become religious but the advice is taken from a religious theme mm. which is that um, you you shouldn't judge people. Don't judge people by. We all know not to judge people by color. Mm -hmm. We know we know not to judge people by gender and and other things. Um, but I think we also we haven't quite got to the point where don't judge people by their opinions. 
because opinions change, mm. Um, mm. you know, uh, you should always, uh, I, I think it's kind of seek to find a point where you can develop affection for people and, and, you know, be tolerant of people who are different from you and who disagree with you. That doesn't mean sort of coddling up to a neo-Nazi and mm. saying, you know, I love your uniform. Uh, but it me you know because there's nothing wrong with being angry and disagreeing with people, but I mean it's in a deeper sense is it's about being judgmental because I, I think we're sort of headed for some kind of collision in Western society like this, precisely because what people people's opinions about politics and things seem to count for more than anything else now. Yeah, and I think that's very destructive, and I think Koreans aren't like that. In th there's they're very fractious, mm. but often when you're saying something that they disagree with, they might not even they might just, they might not even be aware they disagree with it. They sort of respond to these things in a different way, and so I think it's something we can learn. I love the advice, particularly in terms of the way that you say we have learned not to judge people by the, the color of their skin and these mm. things. And I, I, I think for the most part we have and we we had to learn that mm. as humans because maybe we yeah. had to unlearn what we'd done or or whatever it was but that's it's been a rather recent thing in the grand mm. span mm. of bill bryson history if we want to tell those right, things yeah. right but do you have any sense of why we are where we are judging people by opinions because you probably remember a time where it was different and that's why it's interesting mm. to you that's why it baffles you a little bit or you do you have any just a sense of how it got there? I th I think, I mean, I keep coming back to religion, but I think it's that politics is the new religion mm. for many people. That, that uh, religious belief uh, in Western countries has really dropped off. Yep. You know, like in Britain, I mean, the, the, the fervent belief now, I think, is Islam, mm -hmm. the, the Muslims in Britain. But for a lot of people who grew up you know, I mean, I, I grew up in a very agnostic family. My my grandparents were Christians. Mm. My parents just were Christian in nature, but yeah. uh, we never went to church or talked about things like that. You know, um, but I I see it so f I see it differently for an individual. That's a different matter. But in a collective sense, mm. um, if you lose the things that push you to be decent and good. Mm. And then, so what are you pursuing? Are you pursuing money? Are you pursuing fun? You're uh, wanting to get oblivious to things as much as possible? Or are you pursuing power? Mm. In which case you have to um, sort of destroy other people in the process. You know, the, I if you remove that ethic that pushes you to be decent, mm. um, so... Uh, you know, I think the consequences are not good. And I, I fear that something like that is... I, I think we're probably in West, in the West, we're probably in for some kind of revival. You know, these things tend to go in cycles. Yeah. <clears throat> and I suspect, you know, the, the hippie movement was a sort of a revival of sorts. It was like love everybody and mm. be nice, but it had no substance to it, you mm. know. Is there were lots of substances in the hippie movement. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it had the wrong substances, <laughs> you know. Um, <clears throat> so I'm kind of uh, uh, curious about all that. 
now, mm. and and I'm I'm, but that that's what concerns me. What particularly concerns me that this I, I say it seems a bit glib that politics has become the new religion, but people seem to get worked up more about these things than, than about anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where does that come from? Like, uh, not everybody. I mean, a lot of people don't care. Right, but um. Enough people to make enough noise and to fill the newspapers. And see, journalists are really vulnerable to this because and they're some of the perpetrators, I think. Because, um, you know, in the old days, to write a story, you have to go and pound the streets or at least phone around. Now you mm. just sort of you go on Twitter and see what somebody's saying, and you've got a story about somebody being offended about something, you know. So it, this is all feeding this. Um, Thing, and I don't think it's going to end well. Seems um, to be a, a dichotomy between the importance, how important it feels, but then how trivial at the same time yeah. it is. That these things are of <clears throat> such great importance and of such great weight, but then the things that are really important, whether it might mm. be the the suicide, the poverty, mm. the mental health, they seem to get lost in in that mm. maelstrom where we're all focusing on yeah. these political things. I, I think maybe although religiosity has gone down in terms of attending formal mm. services or, or worship. I don't think it's correct to describe our societies as irreligious. I think they're very religious yeah, in, in certain ways. With You mean Britain, British? Or, well, I, I, or... I, I think, you know, whatever societies we might live in, in, in Britain and in parts of Europe mm. and in parts of North America, I think you're correct to say that maybe South Korea is a little bit different. A lot of those cultural conversations mm. and Questions of identity, think, they're not here in my, amongst right. my university students. I think what I'd say, yeah, you're right, actually, is, uh, where did I hear this recently? Someone was saying something like, if you get 100 Brits, um, maybe 10 of them will be churchgoers. Mm. But about 90% or 95% will f- sort of say something yeah, I feel there's more to like, or there's there's sort of spiritual or kind of not sure, agnostic, not quite Mm. sure, but uh, so actual atheists may be quite small. But so people aren't, uh, they don't like formal religion so much, but they still think. The thing is, is that that gets pushed down. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah, and you're right, you don't have it. You don't have that here. Although, you know, more than 50% of Koreans don't, identifies being belonging to one particular religion or another mm-hmm. <clears throat> but but they're more open to that but then you know who doesn't go to the fortune teller sort of <laughs> or change their name because they'll have a better yeah right. they'll have better luck they are changing my name okay yeah. so they do they do seem to get on well across the religions here i i think just to clarify this one point when i say that um although church going or or a temple attending has decreased when i say societies are still religious in some way mm. i i don't necessarily just mean it's a belief in spirituality or transcendence but like you say politics has become a new religion mm. or they've become tribal mm. in that yeah. sense and it's it's performative and it's ceremony and there are people mm. that they look up to mm. there's a i i won't ever uh believe that I could suggest a book, but there's one by Eric Hoffer. It's called The True Believer. I'm not sure if you've read this. He wrote mm. this in the late 1940s. Mm. And Eric Hoffer was just, uh, and you read it today and you're like, oh, wow, this is, mm. and it's just short paragraphs. It's a, it's a full like 200 page book, but each one is just like a paragraph like this. And I believe Eric Hoffer was like a, 
a worker on the docks or something like this. But he wrote this this psychology of movements and where people start yes. believing things, and it's a yeah, fascinating account. So. He was he was a stevedore all his life or something, and yeah, uh, what, what, uh, sorry, a stevedore like a dock worker. Or okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the book. <laughs> um, there might be a group in here afterwards, so we can ask. Okay, okay, yeah. Thank you very much, Mike. <laughs> Great, nice to see you. Nice to be seen. <laughs> Thank you for your time. How was it? Three hours. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel like three hours.